The king of all teas. There are three reasons you might drink tea. You like the taste, you want a lower caffeine alternative to coffee, or you're English. Whatever the reason, you have a variety of tea options to choose from. Black, white, and green teas all derive from the common tea leaf, Camellia sinensis. But to us, there's one tea that leads the rest, purple tea. Not to be confused with purple drink, we've coined this the king tea. It's a crossbred variety of Camellia sinensis developed in Kenya. Purple tea grows at up to 7,500 feet elevation. This exposes it to ultraviolet light, causing the plant to produce high levels of polyphenols and anthocyanins, compounds that protect the tea leaves from damage and contribute to their unique flavor. These same compounds are also found in berries, grapes, and other fruits and vegetables and account for their dark red and purple colors. Think blueberries. And just like those foods, when consumed by humans, they help scavenge free radicals. There's a ton of reasons to drink keen tea and why it rules. There's more polyphenols, 16.5% than any other tea, making its self-protecting properties greater. It scavenges free radicals at a rate of 51% compared to just 343 for green tea. And it contains only 5% caffeine, which is less than some green tea extracts. It's also loaded with EGCG. I'm not even going to try to say it. Yes, I am. Epigallocachetin gallate. It's a polyphenol in tea. Studies have shown that it helps promote a healthy cardiovascular system. And let's face it, folks. We need our ticker to keep working. We need it to keep ticking. Everybody wants good cardio. Everybody wants good endurance. Everybody wants a good cardiovascular system. And this is one of the ways we can do it. It has a really good taste. I'll tell you, I've had this tea. Um, I like to have tea without stevia to begin the tea game. So I have an appreciation for the flavor. And then I doctor it up. I'm probably drinking yerba mate more than any other tea. But when I need something in the afternoon and it's too late to have the high caffeine from yerba mate, king tea comes into the equation. It's absolutely my favorite tea to have in the afternoon and evening. Go to onit.com slash podcast and get 10% off this rare Kenyan king tea. Who we got today? Mind pump? Mind pump. Oh, yeah. My buddies at Mind Pump. Some pretty cool guys. We got Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin. Don't know his last name. I do know his last name. It's not coming to me, though. That's okay. Pull it up. Justin Andrews. There we go. Ah, got it. And Doug. Doug's my boy, too. Doug is there. And you should know his name, Ryan Giles, because Doug does for Mind Pump what you do for me, brother. He's an important man. Uh, so, yeah, I, I took a trip out to California and interviewed the Mind Pump guys in their studio. Unfortunately, we don't have video for you, so there will be a still image of Justin bent over in a thong working with a steel mace uh, that we'll have as the background for the YouTube video the entire time this plays. If you're to watch it, um, be a highly invigorating uh, still image of Justin Andrews. But yeah, I always enjoy my conversations with Mind Pump. I tend to say fuck a lot. Now, now a lot of people have brought this to my attention over the last year as, um, uh, well, as I've, as I don't know how to put this without sounding like an egotistical asshole, but I guess as the show has grown, there we go. I can say it, as the show has grown, um, more people have tuned in and uh, a lot of people, if there's one knock, say that I curse too much. And so I, I've noticed this, that I curse a lot more when I'm with Mind Pump. And I think the reason for that is it feels like I'm just hanging with the guys. 
And oftentimes that's the case. I try to create that vibe similar to Joe Rogan, where it's just a cool conversation. People loosen up and they are a little bit more candid. They open up and talk a bit more intimately. Um, but there's no trying with mind pump. I can just sit down and shoot the shit with these guys and they have a wealth of knowledge on all things. Sal loves to go down the rabbit hole. These guys love to have a little cannabis before the show starts. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've microdosed some other supplements that are not legal in California, uh, at different times. Uh, not sure if I did for this podcast or not, but you know, long story short, these guys are awesome. They have a wealth of knowledge. They have an awesome podcast, mind pump raw fitness truth. They have been said to be the Howard Stern of fitness. Uh, I don't know who says that, but, um, I think it's Adam that coined that term, but I, I really do like that because they are, um, they're raunchy, they're raw, they get to the point and they dispel a lot of bullshit in this game. And there, <laughs> there's a ton of bullshit in the fitness industry. So anytime I have the opportunity to have these guys as guests, or if I have the opportunity to go on their show, the answer is yes. I absolutely love these guys. I know you'll dig the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. Well, and, and then it was cool. Oh, you, guys all, about, you guys all chatted about that. He was talking about Fibonacci sequence and fucking Egypt. And he's like, maybe these guys knew. He's like, he was talking, he's telling his kids this, right? So he's kind of explaining it to his children about maybe, you know, if you look everywhere on earth, like it's in nature, it's in all these things, but they built the pyramids in line to Orion's belt. Like everything is to right. the fucking, the, the correct degree of longitude, latitude, everything's in tune. And he's talking about Fibonacci sequences. He's like, and maybe, maybe these guys got a download from higher consciousness from another plane in a different dimension or a different planet. And I was like, hmm, all right, oh, Greenfield. Man. All right, yeah. son. You watch little ancient well, aliens. Yeah. Well, here's a yeah. different take for, for a lot of Christians. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think we, we, when we see these um, ancient cultures and they seem so fascinating to us, we, we tend to disregard humans' ability or man's ability to sit there and observe for generations and humans do a pretty damn when you leave us alone for a long time and we're bored and we have nothing else to do or we're hyper focused on something we can come up with some pretty brilliant shit and we don't need Dude, high, high Socrates technology and you know Aristotle it's like you know to to stop and then just focus on a topic and try and figure it out and just like riff with your friends like that's what well the concept of atoms that's the what they came up yeah. the concept of atoms came out crazy shit but even even you know beyond that look I'll tell you what you could take go into prison go to prisons and arguably you could say that prisons probably have some of society's you know most challenged individuals right and they're not typically people you would consider with or a lot of people with super high Q or super high achievers a uh, lot of trouble, a lot of issues, whatever. These motherfuckers figure out way. There's entire economies that have been designed within prisons mm -hmm. that are highly like like they're trying to stop them from doing stuff. They can communicate with each other. Oh, they come up they with can own currency. Currencies. They could trade drugs. They know how to. I mean, they they're can trading get messages. cigarettes and butt play. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a great movie. Yeah, that's, that's a good cigarettes and butt you play have that too. One that was, the DVR. I don't like part yeah. two. Yeah. Part, part one two. was good. <laughs> part two gets a little deep. Yeah, it's a little oh, too, it's yeah. too deep. Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, man. Oh. But, uh, but Adam's like, yes, painfully, yeah. painfully so. Reminds me of blood out. Dude, tell me, you guys. Oh, tell me, you guys man. watch. Uh, why can't I think? Uh, Tosh. Yeah, tell me, you're a fan of Tosh. I've seen him before. Huge fan. Yeah, of course. I love Tosh. I mean, his humor is like it's. It goes further. 
further, further, yeah. see yeah. who can then finally just <laughs> like, lose you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Lose you? Yeah. 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 It keeps getting worse. Yeah. But yeah, people, you know, we, we keep underestimating humans just because they were around a long time ago and we think, oh, they didn't how could they possibly build these things and how could they possibly predict the, you know, the constellations and the stars and the and the seasons? Well, they fucking observed them for yeah. a long time. I mean, the Romans were able to engineer stuff that the aqueducts Till this day, some of them still work and bring water from the Alps down to southern Italy. With no with no modern plumbing or pumps or electricity, they were able to engineer them to the point where it was, you know, downhill at such a small degree, but the water would continue traveling all the way down from the Alps all the way down to. I feel like southern our Italy. skills just changed, right? So yeah. we, our our focus was completely on you know engineering and building yeah. and you know like and, and we mastered like back back in the ancient times like all these different practices and was passed on and then you know and then the pursuits just changed now now we're trying to figure I, something else out i have a real problem with the idea that this is the smartest most intelligent version of man we've ever seen mm. no way right no. it's it's so fucking egotistical to think that this is the furthest we've ever come i agree this is the best it's ever been no yeah. one's well, ever I been smarter and think, that everyone prior to us is fucking you know retarded for I lack think of a better I word i think there's different yeah. there's different levels of intelligence or different types of intelligence yes. too. Yes. So maybe we're the we're the most evolved or technical or like with technologically. There advanced. could have been different yeah. technologies though. Right. Clearly. But, but totally. when I read Clearly. like Stoic philosophy and you hear the words that come out of those dudes' mouth, it's like or you, or you read the words that came out of their mouth, it's yeah. like, I mean that was that's so far ahead, and I feel like some mm -hmm. of the, so so many of those messages need to be read today, and not enough of it's being sent around. Well, it's like that's so long ago. Yeah, before yeah. the I mean, Wait. Be before we started recording, or maybe we were. Uh, you guys were mentioning how you know, the, like like modern uh, Christians, for example, say things like the Earth is six thousand years old and all that kind of stuff. Not like, all well, of them. I don't want to discredit all of them, but yes, some, there right? are some. And My mother-in-law. Yeah, and you have a tough time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a slight jab to throw her under the bus. <laughs> but you know what? I'll, I'll say this. She's listening. Slow run, throw her under the ark. I'll, I'll I'll say this oh, <laughs> under the arc. <laughs> I'll say this though the the brilliance uh, in the in some of the crux of the philosophies of the Judeo Christian religions is mind blowing. And here's I'll, I'll go a little deeper. Up until you know those those religions were kind of established, and even afterwards, it took time for some of the stuff that was taught in those religions to really get implemented. The 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 way that humans lived was pretty fucked up. It really was. Like if you were stronger, bigger, you 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 had more power control. People, some people were considered special, while other people were considered, you know, garbage. And it was accepted. It was totally accepted. You had kings and queens and rulers and and tyranny, all these other things. And then all of a sudden, you have this uh, this belief system that says that each individual has a soul, and that soul. Um, is special and it's it's made in God's image, regardless of how poor you are, how rich you are, male, female, uh, regardless of you know how smart you are, whatever. That there's this 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 special thing about you, and that you should be respected uh, and treated a particular way because of that. Now it didn't get expressed fully for a long time, but it is the thing that created the you know modern Western civilization, which, for all intents and purposes, you know you want to talk about like societies that that tend to uh, value equality of treatment that tend to value, you know, individual liberty and all that stuff. It came from, from, from those beliefs and that's fucking brilliant. And that's, what's brought us to where we're at today. And humans are, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It definitely hasn't been expressed perfectly and it still isn't, but that's a, that's a very fascinating, brilliant way of thinking of things that I think doesn't get enough, uh, like credence or attention. Like, 
That's insane. Well, there's, there's, that's because also at the same time, there was the slaughtering of millions of people that didn't follow suit and, and agree to that. Like, hey, you believe differently. Absolutely. We'll give you the opportunity to believe our beliefs. But if you don't, you know, we'll, we'll, we yeah. can set you on fire or we'll burn you alive, whatever, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there's there's pros and cons to all the things. I think it's 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 interesting to look into the past and see the beauty in these things and to see kind of how it's brought us to where we're at today. But also to think like, I love Graham Hancock. Like, let's think mm-hmm. that let's maybe there's a possibility. Let's just plant the seed mm-hmm. that we had highly intelligent civilizations mm-hmm. prior to the last ice age. And now we see evidence of that with him and Randall Carlson. And we yeah. see a lot of evidence, not just with Gobekli Tepe, but everything they're talking about how with the, the end of the last ice age could have been an asteroid or comet striking the uh, northern ice cap. Mm-hmm. And we see that through nano diamonds and the oh, whole northern west coast. And the uh, these giant <laughs> fucking boulders. Yeah, exactly. That That's caused by rain. The well, what could have plains, caused that? Great yeah. floods, right? And every culture has a story of a flood, mm-hmm. right? That's pretty fucking cool yeah, to think yeah, that way, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And Maybe. they keep finding new, you know, ancient civilizations. Like they just like uncover them. It's like in the ocean or, you know, underneath like earth that they just like, they just find that that, that predates like history. And it's, it's really hard because like you get, you know, scientists that are so focused on like having this established timeline and it's, it's like, okay, now what the fuck do we do? Like, what do we really know, you know, about that? Well, and that's, I just, it just gets us to think outside of the box. Right. And so if we're thinking about things in, in the, the biggest issue is that what these guys are going up against is ideology. It's more or less something that people want to cling to this thing that they've taught. It's in their fucking textbooks and it's very rigid. So when we go against the grain, like all these Egyptologists that are like, no, that's not what happened. It was wind and sand and they're going to hold on to that. But it's, it's how important is that? Maybe it's not that important, but if it means that this flood did happen and that, you know, Atlantis did go underwater and all these other things are, are actual possibilities, it just opens us up mm-hmm. to a new way of thinking about what our past yeah, is. Yeah, I think the, the, the thing that makes us special is also the thing that fucks us up as humans. And it's this ego, this, this arrogance that we tend to have. And, you know, we discovered the scientific method relatively recently when you look at, you know, human history that we know of, at least it's a relatively recent discovery, the whole scientific method of, of coming up with a, with a hypothesis and testing it and, you know, measuring it and the objectiveness of it. And it served us well in many different respects, but now it's like, we're so arrogant in the sense that that is becoming our dogma. It's becoming our religion to the point where um, I think it, it could definitely kill us. It, it almost did. It almost did during the Cold War. I mean, our discovery of nuclear power, which was an incredible breakthrough um, and had the, uh, you know, has the capability of, of, of creating more energy than we could, we could ever need, also created weapons that could destroy us at any given moment, which still exists. They're still out there, which is weird. It's so strange that we have... Imagine having something in your house like... Hey kids, this button over here blows up the whole house and kills us all. But I got it here. <laughs> it's fine. I yeah. got to Yeah, I, I made it. Keys. I made it. Yeah. So just yeah. leave it there. Like, you know? we're, we're and to think also like we go through our lives we're fucking doing this and we don't know what's fake news and what's not, but there still is a nuclear arms race yeah. in the yeah. world right now. Like people are still mounting up in preparation for World War 3. Like countries are fucking putting shit together at an alarming pace on purpose just to be able to say, fuck you, U.S. You're not going to fucking say what we can do or well, what, what we can't scares, do. What scares me about nuclear weapons today, because um, in the past, you know, the, the, we, I mean, uh, people don't, a lot of people don't realize this today, um, but 
you know, we had nukes pointed directly at us, and we were pointing nukes directly at the Soviet Union. And several times we came within a hair of nuclear holocaust. Like literally, there were there was there was one incident where it was a submarine captain that decided to not pull the trigger. And it was his decision, even though his superiors were telling him to do it, because they had this false report that the US had launched nukes. Had he gone and done what they said, we wouldn't we wouldn't be here right now, or at least most of us wouldn't be here right now. So there were we came very, very close. But the thing that kept us from killing each other was that mutual destruction, that guarantee of mutual destruction. So, you know, you're not going to drop a bomb on someone if you know they're going to drop a bomb on you and everyone's going to die anyway. And that's what kept us safe. Now, what I'm afraid of is when you put that power in the hands of people who don't care, who don't care if they die. In fact, they're willing to kill themselves just to kill you. And we're seeing that now with some of the, you know, you see, you see that with suicide bombers and stuff like that. Sam Harris has talked about that. I think they talked about it in Homo Deus, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and just like the ability to start strapping these things to, uh, with little floaty guys, drones, you know what I'm saying? Like, like like, like, when you can make something smaller and more mobile and fit it into places you never could before, like that's where we can have real issues, you know, and, and. Play areas where we never would have been able to bring them in before. Yeah, or I mean, you know, if, if if it could be a launch, they could just drop one with the intent of getting a reaction. Let's let's shift positive here for a yeah. second, though. <laughs> <laughs> Nuclear We're all gonna die. I was just, oh, just going to ask you, you about the elephant on your shirt. Oh. Did you guys? Oh, the elephant is is awesome. This is a black swan yoga shirt. It's a psychedelic elephant, but we won't we won't talk psychedelics again. I know we're tired of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I could save that, brother. Um, anyways. Uh, did you guys hear? Uh, is it? She's not Stephen Smith. Um, what's his name? The the head of Vice on Rogan's. No. God damn it! What's his name? Pull that up for me, Doug. Um, he was talking about. He's he's a fascinating dude, but he's talking about this kid who created a nuclear reactor in his parents' garage. Well, I think it's seventeen. Right. He's like a he's like a a wizard, and so everyone shows up at at the parents' house. Like he shut down the entire grid electrically. Like he could he could. Um, Whatever, uh, whatever it's called, like not refined, refined uranium or whatever, oh. you know, where you, where you where you make make your own. I'm, I'm messing this up. Sorry that I he sound made retarded. his own uranium. He basically he made his own nuclear reactor is what he did, and so everyone showed up. The feds, uh, all these people at his house. His parents are like, "What are you talking about?" They go into the garage and they're like, "Oh, you did it." And then they figure out he's not a terrorist, so now he's working for the government. Naturally, let's bring this, right. yeah, <laughs> let's bring this brilliant mind, this brilliant mind in. And um, one of the things he was talking about is he can take. The used, you know, these 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 uh, reactors that fail, like what happened in Japan, mm. and you can take them and make them into tiny blocks that are basically the size of like a handheld battery, and each one of those can power a, a city for ten thousand years. What? Holy yeah. shit! So like, there's enough used stuff that's going to go bad on this planet already to power the Earth, the entire Earth, for the next ten thousand years, and not just first world countries, all the third world countries like India, where they're still burning cow shit that's releasing more methane in the air, like clean energy for 10,000 years. It sounds oh. too good to be true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just saying, like a lot of people are backing feel, this feel, kid. Tesla's, or not Tesla, uh, Elon Musk is backing them. Bill Gates really? is backing them. Like a lot of- It feels like the beginning of a sci-fi movie. You know what I mean? Like, we just We're in the beginning of a sci-fi movie. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about, man? Like, this is oh, it, dude. Drones oh, everywhere. Oh, I agree with these, that. These little blocks. Androids. It's called the Tesseract, right? Isn't that no. the one that you saw? People are having the conversations and it's going straight into my ears while I drive my mechanical car. Tell me you went and saw Ready Player One. 
It was so dope, right? It was so dope. Might have might have had some some substances we won't mention while watching that. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was such a great movie. Oh my god, dude! I could see us being like that. That's scary. To yeah, me. yeah. I I th- I really believe that we're gonna have this where VR is going. I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you watch sports or not. If you're watching the games and NBA playoffs right now, and uh, last night I saw uh, I saw the kids at the Intel has got the VR goggles and. You get there's cameras all along the baseline and the and the court uh, um, uh, sideline of the court, so you get to be like on the court and watch the game, dude. So you get wow. front row seats VR to be able to watch the game, and I'm thinking like, dude, we're this close to attaching micro cameras on each athlete and everything like that to where you get to live their perspective. Like it is going to be so fucking cool to be plugged in because you don't got to be your boring self who goes to work every day, his nine to five and hates his job and has a terrible relationship because fucking the, the, the virtual reality world is going to be way cooler. Way cooler. Yeah. Did you ever see Duncan Trussell post this, this, um, this uh, mock-up of what it'll be like. I think there's a term for it where it's like enhanced reality. So you're like basically like the Google glasses you throw on. Right. And as you look through it, you get a heads-up display and it shows you your bank account and it's all done with points, right? So mm-hmm. like how it's all one economic system and you can choose to take jobs like, hey, I'm going to pick up groceries for this old lady on this street and that's going to give me so many points or I can go... Uh, you know, run an errand for this other person, or I can drop off somebody at this location, and there's all these things like equate the points. Report. Yeah, but it's like a, it's like a livable reality that's all wow. interconnected. You know, 100. percent And well, you isn't have that what they're doing with the the Internet of Things? Like they're starting to catalog like everything and like giving it some sort of a value with that. Um, but I could see them kind of turning that into an economic thing like that. That's interesting. Yeah. So they, everything's playable at yeah. that point, right? You have all these. It's like uh, which you makes know, sense the mini, why China's the going missions. in that direction already. Yeah, have you seen? Oh, the, yeah. Have you seen the the what they did in China which scares me i'm I'm still like scared this is a national uh program so this is put out by the you know the the people's republic of 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 china the communist country where they they have uh that you get points and you get points for you know what you buy um what you read what you write you know the things the people that you hang out with or whatever you get the score and that score determines how much your loans are prices you pay for things special treatment, whatever, and including the people you hang out with. So let's say I have a really good score and you have a bad score and we're really good friends. That'll lower my score. Will I take some of that score because I'm I'm po- I'm I'm leveling up by hanging out with somebody that cooler that's cooler than me? That's like a Sal? good question. Mm. But uh, the thing is, it's controlled Maybe. completely by the the central planners, and they have all these cameras with this very sophisticated facial recognition technology. So they were showing pictures of the video where. People you're walking just around walking and your the scores above your head. Yeah, and the cameras automatically pick up who they are, and there's a little score walking around. Think about how bad that could go. Yeah, like yeah. you're already in school systems. Like I'm not going to hang out with that weird kid. Now you're like <laughs> I'm not going to hang out with this loser with a low score. Well, right. I could compl- I could totally see their you- thoughts on that's going to drive everybody up though. I yeah. think I think I mean, that's, I that's the thoughts is if it's all yeah it's, it's all out so there. competitive though, right. yeah. man yeah. it's so competitive you can manipulate it at any moment you know somebody in the government that could just like a programmer could just change your number it's like some Illuminati fucked. shit yeah <laughs> totally it's, it's like that episode on Black Mirror 
Man, have you guys you ever watched yeah. Black Mirror on Netflix? Where, where they have to fuck the pig to save the princess? No, not no, that no, episode. That was horrible. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was that a terrible episode. Like that was a dumb episode. episode right? Of course you fuck the pig. Yeah. <laughs> it's get to, to save it a human life. Yeah, yeah, take the Viagra and get to it. <laughs> People think Viagra is magic. I don't care how much Viagra I take. I would not be able to get a boner. I'd bang. fuck a pig to save a human life. Wow. Think about that. Would be able, she, would be the able princess would be indebted to you. I mean, what are you going to imagine? I think you have to finish. I think that was one of the stipulations. You just lost everybody who wasn't watching, who's ever watched the Black Episode. Everyone's like, "What? We're fucking pigs yeah, now." That's you be like, that's a little fucking far. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah it goes weird. far. Go. But yeah, I think uh, who who's to say that at some point but the Chinese government right doesn't throw the, everybody in jail? That feeds right score. into the video game thing. I mean, yeah. I think about like your score for doing good things. Good deeds will raise your score. You know, if you're you do bad things, you're just going to lower your score. It's going to be really interesting in the next. It's only to me, it looks like ten. There is years zero away. privacy in that world, though. I think there's a strong pushback for people wanting to unplug, wanting to be in nature, and wanting oh, to there's say, gonna fuck be a, all that. There's going to oh, be yeah. a divide. huge divide. There's going to be a divide, one hundred percent. But I uh, do not be surprised when there's a lot more on that side. Yeah. Do yeah, not. No. Be no. No. We're heading that direction. Yeah. We're already there. We're already there on our fucking phones right now. Right. Yeah. You'll you know. See, you'll see like the the like the unattractive, dirty, you know, people who are. Unplug, and then you've got the, like the genetically modified tech advanced super race or whatever. Sounds like a sci-fi movie, but it's probably right. gonna look like that. You know what I'm saying? People with really straight teeth. Well, that's what I love about sci-fi. It's all this big foreshadowing, and it's a warning of like where we could go with all this, you know, knowledge and technology. It's it's last night. I'm at the game, dude, and I'm sitting literally like right off the. Court. Oh, how'd they do, by the way? Oh, we lost, dude. It was it was terrible. Are we out? Let's not. No. Okay. No. All right. No. no. My bad. <laughs> but what I'm blown away, and I saw this at the Sports. YouTube concert, saying like I'm just so fascinated by how many people are on their phones during. So I mean, this is like for for me at least, being a big basketball fan and love it, and to be able to be in that experience that close to the game during a playoff game that matters so much. I like I don't move my seat. Like I plan my food, my bathroom break before I saw because I want to like I just want to experience every bit of it. But people are so we're getting so fucking plugged in that I'm everyone who's sitting around me is like videoing it and texting it and Instagramming it the entire time. And I'm like, that's so crazy well, to me. That that's, that's the that's the look at me. How cool I am. I'm at the fucking Warriors. I game. get it. Right. Mm -hmm. I get you know? why they're I get why they're doing it. But it's Social like points. It's it's about the that, that experience. And you're really losing that experience by being still plugged into the phone the entire time. And I'm like, wow, that's a, we care so much about virtual us and what everybody else thinks of us that we would we're we're wasting our time doing that versus sitting in the moment and enjoying something that some people will never experience their entire yeah. life yeah. like that's fucking amazing right but no we we care more that's fucking scary i feel dude. like we're going to we're going to see some major negative ramifications of of all of this and we'll learn our lesson like we typically do if we survive um, but there was a quote that I read. Uh, did I read it? Somebody said it a while ago, and it really, really resonated with me. And it's, be careful of unearned wisdom. And I think mm. that the, the, the current age of technology and ease of access to information and quick gratification and all that stuff really, I mean, it, it really resonates with that particular phrase. And, I, and I, can always, I can always bring it back to fitness because I think fitness is such a microcosm of life and it's but it's also so black and white. And I, I can always use analogies with fitness and it tends to, uh, to make sense to people. You know, if I took somebody who wanted to lose 50 pounds and get fit, and if I could just snap my fingers and give them that, would they, would they derive the same benefits as if they worked 
towards that goal the old-fashioned way, as if they change no, their gain, behavior. No, they gain and, it all back, just like somebody who wins the fucking lottery and is broke mm-hmm. a, a year later or five mm-hmm. years later or in debt because once they had all that money, they decided they could take out more loans and their credit score went up, so their fucking credit cards went up. You know what I'm saying? Like, they lose it all. Look you, at the biggest loser. Yeah, or even if they didn't, even if I had enough magic to say, or whatever, magic pill or, or, or special scientific formula that they lost the weight and never gained it back, would they have the same benefits as and the same character and the same understanding as someone who had to change their behaviors, had to go through the challenges of changing their food intake, getting up and working out and feeling the pain and learning about their body? Would they have the same benefits? Would they still derive the same fulfillment, meaningful, you know, meaningfulness and happiness? I think no, not at all. Um, and of course, people listening, some people listening are like, well, I wish I could have that magic pill. But that's kind of what's happening with technology. It's like I get to connect with, you know, I could go on a date right now. Um, I could read whatever information I want without having to go through the steps of learning it. And, and, and you know, I could, you know, take this medication and get into this particular state of mind rather than taking the time to meditate and, you know, disconnect or whatever. I feel like we're, we're in that, we're, we're going to be entering into a phase here where we're getting everything that we want and then we're going to realize that now that we have everything that we thought we wanted, it wasn't what we really wanted. Really, it was the, the means to the end isn't the end. You know what I'm saying? It's that, mm. it's that path to get there that you learn. Look at, look the at- The alchemist. Ju- uh, yeah, look, dude, you, you're, you've been doing, how long have you been training jujitsu? Shit. 2000, since 2008? Yeah, so a decent amount, 10 years. So mm-hmm. 10 years of Brazilian jujitsu, you're, you're at a very, very high level. Now imagine if you know ten years ago you could snap your fingers and have all the skills that you have now, would you would you still be the same person or, or have derived the same benefit? You know, it's that it's those trials and tribulations. It's learning how to get your ass kicked. It's learning, you know, how to you know uh, change your ego a little bit. It's learning the process, learning the challenges, all that stuff. There's so much that you get from that that is probably maybe more valuable than even the skills of jujitsu themselves. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's character. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's all the things that you take that you can extrapolate from the mat outside of that into life. Totally, right? Like that—that's what you gain from that. It's not just and same thing going back to your analogy of the weight loss. It's not just you know having the weight off and how you feel and how you move. It's everything that you worked for to go through that, and then knowing how you can put yourself in an uncomfortable position and go through that and do the thing you maybe don't like as a means to an end with getting to your goals, how that factors into everything else you do in life. I could, so it's I, about sacrifice. I could, I, could say, I could say pretty confidently that the skills that you learn doing jiu-jitsu or the fitness, the, the, the end result of the fit body that you get from working out is actually less important than all the other shit that you learn going through the process. If you really had to weigh it out, right? If you really had to compare the two, I think those skills that you have where you could defend yourself and kick someone's ass, choke someone out, whatever – Probably not as important as all that other stuff that you learn during that 10-year mm. process of sacrifice. Humility. Of humility. Like, I remember, I mean, and I love jujitsu for this because it's one of those- Oh, and hard work and being rewarded for it when you put the hard work in, right? When that's you, it. That's right. just it. I, the, like, one of the things I love so much about jujitsu, it's such a technical sport that it's one of the few combat sports I can think of where, I mean, size and strength always matter. So people who say it doesn't matter, it does matter. But it's one of the few ones where it doesn't matter nearly as much as the other. So like you could go into, you know, if you're if you're in a boxing, you know, ring and, and one guy's done it for three years and another guy's only done it for two months, but that guy who's done it for two months is like sixty pounds bigger and athletic, they've got a chance, right? In jujitsu, 
you you know you'll have a little bit of a chance because you're just big and strong, but you're going to get your ass kicked. So you got to learn to kind of dissolve your ego a little bit or, or or some humility. It's like those are the lessons that 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 are the most important. I feel like as technology advances, we keep wanting the end result. Like we keep wanting the end. Like I don't want to the process of learning. I just want the answers. I don't give a shit about the other stuff. But that's not the point. The point is that. I, I I told this story. I had to do a speech uh, at the Spartan race. They had a Spartan race up here in um, God. Where was it? Up in Patterson, I think it was. And they wanted me to talk to all these racers. And I was thinking, like, oh, what could I, what could I talk about that would resonate with these people? And I told a few stories. And one of the ones I I told was uh, this is a personal experience. Um, you know, years ago I had a wellness facility uh, in Los Gatos, and maybe a mile away was a Good Samaritan Hospital. And I used to train a lot of doctors and, and surgeons and nurses from there. And they had uh, a gastric bypass program there. Or or at least gastric, people with gastric bypass would go there, you know, before and after type of deal. And um, sometimes they would send me patients. And sometimes people would come to me to lose weight to get gastric bypass. Believe it or not, a lot of people don't realize this, but sometimes you go in there and they, they say, okay, in order for you to get this surgery – you have to lose twenty pounds. First. You're talking about the lap band, not right? lap band, where no? they actually they actually bypass your stomach, so you're left with a stomach about the size of like what I'm doing right now, which a is maybe walnut. like the size of your thumb or something yeah. like that. So you don't have this big stomach anymore. You have this tiny pouch, which forces you to lose weight. And so I would get people, and I had uh, these two clients uh, right around the same time, not exactly the same time, but right around the same time. One guy came into me, and he came to me after he had the procedure. So he gets the procedure. He had about 100 pounds to lose. Um, and he came and saw me, I think it was like three months post-procedure. Uh, had already lost something like 40 pounds. Maybe it was two months, like 40 pounds already. And, and when you have this procedure, what happens is you have this little tiny stomach. And if you try to eat too much or more than that pouch can contain, you'll vomit. I mean, you, you just can't. You're literally forced to lose weight. So mm. this guy came to me. I had the procedure. I've already lost, you know, 30, 40 pounds. I have another 80 pounds or something like that to go. And, um, you know, they recommended that I come train with you, you know, come train with people or, or, or get some kind of resistance training and exercise. And so he hired me and we trained together and I trained him, I think three days a week. And, you know, he'd show up late to his session. Sometimes he wouldn't show up at all. He, he, he wasn't really in it. I think he was just doing it because the, his doctors were really, you know, adamant that he do this. And he did lose the weight. It didn't take very long. Again, you're forced to lose weight. You can't eat that much. And we worked out for a little while, and then he kind of kind of dropped off. You know, he wasn't very serious about his workouts. I didn't enjoy training him because I could tell he didn't want to do it. And he kind of dropped off. Now, here's a crazy thing. A few years later, I'm at the grocery store next door to my facility, and I see him, and he gained back a lot of the weight that he had lost. This is like three years later. And I go up to him and, you know, hey, what's going on? And you know, same kind of negative attitude, whatever. And you can literally, with a small pouch of a stomach, you can, if you're determined, well, you stretch, stretch it that right, fucker right, right back out. out. Yeah, and you can gain the weight back. And so he was very, obviously, very determined to do I think so. That happened a lot. And um, and that was it. Now I had another lady that I trained who came to me to work out uh, before she had the procedure, and I had I've had a few clients like this. And my goal was to hopefully be able to show her that she could do this without the procedure. Not that I'm anti-procedure. I understand that there's certain applications, and for, for a lot of people, it saves their life, literally. But my goal is always, let's see if we can change the mindset 
that caused this woman to be over 100 pounds overweight. Let's see if we can really get, get in there and change her relationship with food and exercise. And so that's what we did. And one of the conversations we had was, you know, I would ask her, well, why are you doing this? What's, what's motivating you? Whatever. And she says, I just want to, I want to lose weight so I can be happy. And I, I had this whole conversation with her, tears and everything where I told her, I said, you know, in my experience, I've been doing this for a long time is you have to be, you have to learn to be happy first. And then the weight comes off. It's never the other way around. People who think they're going to be happy from the weight loss actually find at the end of it that it's in, it, they're still empty and, and they don't, they don't achieve that. And then they find that they run into some problems and it really resonated with her. Anyway, she decided not to get the procedure over the course of two or three years of training. And she had over a hundred pounds to lose. She only lost like 30 pounds. So that's all she was able to do at that point, but incredible changes in character. And most of that 30 pounds, by the way, was like the last year of training. So the first couple of years, she didn't lose any weight at all. But she showed up. Hell on of a time. trainer. But she showed up on time. You know what's funny? <laughs> that's what people would say. That's back. what I would. That's yeah. old. When I first right. became a trainer, I would have said I was being a failure mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't get her to lose the weight right away. But I realized later on that that's not the real important thing. Like I want to be able to get someone to a point where they can be fit and healthy and find fulfillment for life. And I knew that. Yeah, I could get you to lose weight right now, but many times that doesn't give us the, the long term success. And you know, you can look at statistics. The drop off rates ridiculous with people who who do it that way but she came in she showed up consistently she made relations she was very lonely she was kind of a hermit but then she made friends friend uh friendships with people in the gym i invited her to the christmas parties and she changed fundamentally changed as a human being lost 30 pounds after about three years then she moved and i lost contact with her fast forward a few years later she finds me on facebook we you know i friend her or whatever we start talking she ended up losing all the weight she uh, got engaged, so she had a relationship, and she was an entrepreneur in fitness. And this was like a lifelong change. And the difference between the two people was that she found the value in the process. And the other guy just wanted the end result. Mm -hmm. He just wanted the weight to be gone, and that was it. And what he discovered at the end of that was, I still feel like shit. Like, I still don't feel... Happy, and in fact, when when you look at people who get these procedures, uh, the the rate of of alcohol abuse and other types and drug abuse goes up quite a bit after they get the procedures because it's like you take away their coping mechanism, and now they can't overeat. So now what do they do? And so it just highlights that whole thing that that I think as humans we you know we we focus so much on the end goal like that's what's important, and it's not. That's not what's important. The 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 journey yeah. is the, the most the process important. gives you purpose. Yeah, if I could fly you to the top of Mount Everest and yeah, just but drop it, you off at the top, is that the same that, thing? Isn't pushing for that end result is what is evolving us too, right? Yeah, mm. yeah, it is. So it's this, it's yeah. this. Hey, you know what it is? It's like if you if you're a self aware person and you push for that end result and you put in the work and the effort, when, as you start to get there, you start to realize that it's not about the end result. You start to realize like, oh shit, look at all this stuff that's changing about me, that's really making the the big impact and and really changing my life in in meaningful ways did, did you guys ever see the documentary i am no i think i did it's awesome it's with the director of ace ventura pet detective and he directed uh liar liar bruce almighty i mean shit shit tons of money like even just from from ace ventura alone you know he bought his first house in beverly hills and then he got a second house that was 10 times bigger and better. And then he got a third home and he said, as the, the movers are bringing all of his shit in all of his stuff before, as they started unpacking all of his boxes, he's sitting on this giant staircase 
at his most ridiculous mansion in Beverly Hills and he realized he still wasn't happy. So he travels the world searching for what is happiness, how to, you know, every different culture, how they cultivate that. And ultimately it's what you're talking about. It's finding peace now, finding meaning now and finding pleasure in the process, not in the end result, but Mm -hmm. everything that you do, all the work that you have going into this thing so that you enjoy each day. You have to keep a little bit for yourself every fucking day. It can't be, I'll be happy when, and you have this date at the end when you can fill in the blank on that. Like, I'll be happy when I have a million dollars. I'll be happy when I lose a hundred pounds. I'll be happy when I have this other person who loves me. You have to fucking love yourself and you have to love what you do each day. You got to change your perspective is what it is. I just, I just shared this on mind pump the other day. I I remember coming home from work. This was just a couple of weeks ago. And I'm, I call, I'm calling Katrina and I'm just fucking frustrated. With like lots of shit. There's all kinds of shit it's on our plate. Justin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always, man. I'm like a scapegoat. Right. Man. So I'm I'm upset, right? And she's, you know, she's the one I can I can vent to and she can help me gather my thoughts and I and I love that about her. And I'm I'm talking to her and I'm kind of venting and she and she waits till I finish and she's like, Would you want it any other way? And I'm like I, I just stopped and I thought about that for a second. I'm like, You're so right. Like if mm. if this was easy. Mm-hmm. And anybody could do it, and I could just do it, and would be we'd be moving along like it'd be no fun. The struggles the is really the is the fun part of all of it. Otherwise, what's it all fucking for? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think you just got to learn to flip that. But it's tough when you when you allow things to affect you emotionally, right? You something triggers something in you because of a old pathway or something, and then you get angry. The or problem upset is or- we have blinders on in the present moment, right? We can't see. And, and uh, Anahata talks about this. You know, we, we have, everyone has a blind spot, some more than others, right? And as we open our perspective and are able to see, oftentimes as we look to the past, we have greater, greater viewpoint, right? We can see things from different angles and say like, oh man, that really rough time was challenging and stressful, but ultimately was beautiful because it led me to this place. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's easier to see with greater perspective as we look behind us. But in the moment, that's the key Mm -hmm. to welcome the challenge, to welcome the stressor, to know like, yeah, I just loaded an extra plate on the bar on each side. It's going to be a lot harder coming out of the hole. But with that will equal much greater gains, much greater success, much greater drive to get me to where I want to be. And also just to fucking appreciate that in the moment. Dude, it's like, remember the scene in the Matrix when uh, Neo, not Neo, uh, what's his name? Morpheus was was caught and he's sitting there and Agent Smith is like, you know, the original Matrix, we created a perfect utopia utopia for humans and it crashed because people were just, they couldn't believe it or whatever. It didn't work for humans. I honestly think we are wired we are not wired to find happiness. We are wired to find meaning. Mm-hmm. There's a big fucking difference between the two. I'll give you a good example. People ask me all the time. You know, when we do the show, uh, many times, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about like our, you know, what happened the day before or whatever. And many times we have stories about our kids. Justin and I will talk about our kids, which seem to really resonate with our audience, which I find fascinating, but obvious when you think about it. And so I'll get messages all the time, like, "Hey, do kids make you happy? Is it right. are you happier because you have kids?" And it's like, well. That's the wrong thing to ask because kids are expensive. They they are stressful. Nothing will nothing will stress you out and and make you paranoid to think about things like kids. Nothing will make you self examine like kids, and nothing challenges you like having kids. But do I have more meaning and fulfillment? You better fucking believe it. But yeah. my life is exponentially more challenging 
with children. If I had no kids right now, my life would be a million times easier. I'm sure you could relate, you know? 100%. It's like a mirror. It's like looking at yourself and all your deficiencies and like what you hate about yourself or what you, you just see it visibly like through your kids and like how you interact with them and um, how they react as a result of how you're interacting with them. And if you can get on a level where you understand like, oh, wow, like, when I raise my voice, this happens, or, or when I approach them with this, you know, type of energy, this is the result I get, and it's just, it's such an educational process that it's, it's mind blowing. But yeah, it's another growth. It's, it's, it's really tough. I mean, it's, it's, there's no like butterflies and shit. Like people, <laughs> people can make stuff up about making like the whole process of it seem so magical and amazing and happiness. It's hard. And it's fucking hard work, but it's man. fulfilling. That's what Super makes fulfilling. it. That's what makes it. Fulfilling, you know. Years ago, I had this argument with uh, one of my employees, and we were talking about what makes, what really motivates people to do a good job. Like, why do people show up to work and 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 dedicate themselves and do an excellent job? And she was telling me, "Oh, paycheck. It's got to be the paycheck. Like, you pay people more, or whatever." And I was like, "That's so not true. Like, the, some of the hardest working people I've ever met in my entire life were volunteers. When you, if you've ever been to a charity event." or you've ever met someone who, you know, I had a friend that was in the Peace Corps and you don't make shit. You live like you're, you're poor. Uh, and many times the conditions are terrible, but these people feel extremely fulfilled. You meet missionaries, people who do things for their, for their church or people who, who donate their time for a cause that they truly believe in. It is hard work. It is grueling. They many times get sick, many times get parasites because they're in these third world countries. You talk about what's his name? Who does the 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 Water Foundation, the XMMA fighter, uh, or maybe Justin Wren? Yeah. Justin Wren, like talk talk to him about how difficult it is when he travels to these, you know, to some of these countries and how many times he's gotten a parasite, how many times he almost died. But you look at the man and he emanates mm-hmm. fulfillment, Joy. and peace. Yeah. It's that peace that he feels, and that comes from, you know, I think it comes from challenge. Uh, that is uh, that is worthwhile, you know. Like, okay, here's something that that means something to me, but it's hard. But I think I can do it, and I'm going to push myself to do it. But it, but I I believe in it, and you do that process. And sometimes you're angry, sometimes you're sad, sometimes you're joyful and happy. Those are all emotions. You should feel all of them. People who think they're supposed to be happy all the time, you're deluded. Like, that's impossible. You can't feel happiness without sad. You have to have that contrast. Otherwise, it do- what is happiness without sadness, right? You're going to feel this wide spectrum of feelings. So stop judging the fact that you're not all happy all the time. Just look and say, am I fulfilled? And do I have, do I feel like things are meaningful? I mean, we just did these live events, which we're going to start doing more of. And shout out to Taylor, our, 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 our media guy. I know he hates it when we call him that. I don't know what what to call (laughs) him, but he came up with this idea where we do this tour, where we meet our fans and basically do like a live show in front of them. And so we were all trying to wrap our brains around like, okay, well, I know it's going to bring value, but what's it going to be like? And so we get to meet these people in person. And these are like real hardcore fans drove hours just to, to see us. So they, they've listened to all our episodes and they really love what we have to do, what we have to say. And so I'm, we do our, our live show. And then afterwards we get to hang around for a few hours and talk to them. And boy, let me tell you, you know, the stories that these people are telling me about you know, hey, Sal, that thing you said about your divorce and when you were going through that, and that helped me through my divorce, and it 
change my life or hey the irony you said we had no fitness right yeah no nobody was telling yeah. us about well some people were saying like oh i changed my relationship to food i used to be anorexic or i used to be even that bulimic. i don't count i don't even count that as, yeah, as fitness yeah, really. yeah. i mean that's or relationship stuff like mm -hmm. adam talks a lot about his relationship with katrina and you know people are like oh that really helps anyway i'm hearing all these stories and sometimes there's tears on both sides and i leave that and the 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 how meaningful what we do is is just exploded i mean if I never got paid no more money, I would do this forever, 100%, knowing that and feeling that and understanding that. And, and also how much growth I think you know we all get from doing this podcast and meeting awesome people like you. Like That's worth more than a lot of money for sure. You know what I'm saying? But boy, does it take a long well, time to the, learn that The irony that is how many people we met, and we know this, right, from our own experience and the people that we continue to talk to, when, when you finally reach this crazy level of success – is at that point when you, it's no longer you don't even care about that piece. Mm -hmm. You're you have figured out the. Fulfill. Well, you went through it. You learned it through the yeah. cannabis industry, right? I yeah. mean, what, what was that like for you? Because at, at one point, I'm sure you had more money than you knew what to do with. Well, I, there was this. For me, it was like this. Nobody could have came in, and I, I know there's somebody who's listening right now that th will not break through to because I was definitely like I could listen to this podcast. I could love all of you guys. And be like, don't fucking matter. <laughs> don't even matter what they're saying because I'm on my I'm on my train. I'm on my plan. Like, and that of course that's the 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 child brain of mine, right? Being connected still to what I went through and what I what I wanted for myself, and I was determined to do that. And, and I so I think it was necessary that I I, I reached a level where to get I, everything that you thought you wanted, right? Yeah. Like all these, which we we joked about this earlier today about my quad that sits in my my living room, right? That. that <laughs> He's right. got a quad, a fifteen thousand dollar quad. It's a great. So you guys are fitness guys. I was picturing like somebody's thigh. Like Dorian Nates, just one reconstructed leg. Right leg. Yeah. The very first <laughs> Mister. Yeah. It's all golden. Yeah. Eugene yeah. Sandow's quad is yeah. in a, it's in a glass case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the irony is it's like it was the first uh. most expensive thing that I ever wanted as a kid, as a child. You know that I that I couldn't have and that I I worked so hard to get to. And then when I I, I buy it and then look at it. It says it just collects dust inside my living room, right? And and many other things I did like that. And once I kind of gathered all, like I I went through everything, like all the ch I checked off everything in my head as a kid growing up that I put possibly want the cool fucking car, all the nice stuff, going to the coolest places, doing all the craziest things. And once I kind of did all of it, like the the story that Kyle shared with sitting on the top of the stairwell, I remember just kind of sitting there and you know going, man. I'm actually, if I really am honest with myself and I evaluate where I'm currently at at this moment with all with the money and things around me, I'm not at my happiest. I and 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 when I started to reflect back, I thought of times where I was happier, and it wasn't directly related ever to what was going on financially with me. And so that was really what set me off. And that was, you know, at that point was when I was like, you know, I've never been so fulfilled as I was fulfilled when I was in health and fitness. Mm. And it, it wasn't until I left it, did something else, completely chased the money thing, and then came, and then to make me realize that to the point where I said, okay, cool, I'm in a position where I have enough money saved up that I don't have to go work for anybody else. I can try and piece this together for myself. And then I began. I began trying to, you know, that's the first day that I turned on Instagram and I had my boot camps running and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going back into fitness. But then this time when I was going back into fitness, it was different because even when I first started fitness, as fulfilled as I was, I was still chasing the wrong thing. I was chasing the end result. I was ultimately, I wasn't doing, I, I wasn't doing it for the clients then. I was doing it for myself. You know, I just happened to 
find something that I love to do and was fulfilling me while I was making more money. But the real goal at that time was chase me chasing a level financially where this and everything that we've done in the last four or five years, my whole I my whole thought process is completely different. And because of that, it's funny, you know, we're on our way to having the most success we've ever had in our lives. Iron ironic. Yeah, right. Yeah. Not caring about it's it. It's so ironic. And it's funny because you know, when you're talking about fitness, for example, the the people that I've encountered, I've been doing this for over 20 years, Kyle, prof- professionally in fitness, and I know a lot of people in the fitness industry from gym managers, trainers, salespeople, you know, CEOs of large fitness corporations, fitness celebrities. Like I've met tons and tons of people. The most, by hands down, hands down, and anybody who's been in fitness for longer than five years will agree with me 100%. The most insecure people I've ever met, the biggest problems with body image and eating disorders I've ever I've ever seen are people that when you look at them they're shredded they're ripped and they look amazing. the The biggest insecurities with food and training and body image issues are, in my experience, people in the fitness industry who, for all intents and purposes, if anybody were to look at them, would say they must be super secure with their body. Look how hot right, they look. look. How, yeah. Look awesome how amazing they, they look. I was one of those people. I was, you know, I would get muscular and shredded and. You know, I take these, you know, designer steroids that you buy over the counter and do all these horrible things to my body. And at no point was I comfortable in my own skin. At no point was I, did I feel fulfilled with what I was doing because it didn't, you know, it's a hole that you're trying to fill and you're, what you don't realize is you're trying to fill it with something that will never fill that hole. And so it ends up deep. It, it, and it is a, let me tell you something, that is a shitty situation to be in. It reminds me of people who try to fill their this whatever this this emptiness inside of them with drugs or alcohol or sex or consumerism probably the mo- most common thing especially in in modern western societies right we have so much wealth that people try to consume 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 or food or, or food you know and they're trying to fill this this emptiness inside of them only to find that uh, it's not working and so what the next thing they do is they fill it with more it's not working fill it with more not working and then they die. They kill themselves. You see this all the time. I tell you what, if, if money, fame, and beauty were the answers, which everybody thinks that's what the answer is. Everybody thinks that's what's going to make them feel good and fulfilled and have meaning and, and happy and all that, then you wouldn't have the dr- incredible dysfunction that celebrities have. Celebrities have a ridiculous... Look, if you look at divorce rates, higher in celebrities. You look mm. at drug abuse rates, higher in celebrities. Suicide rates, higher in celebrities. These are people who have the fame... They're obviously good looking. That's why they're famous. They have the money, but they're fucking miserable. And I think the reason why they're miserable is because they think that that's what they wanted. Now they have it. And then you're like, now what? Like, what do I do now? So the question is, you know, what is, what is this emptiness that I feel inside and how do I truly fill it? And I don't think it's anything material. I don't think it's anything that you can buy. I don't think it's anything you can take. I think it has to do with the things that you can't buy with money and the things you can't. I think there. I think there's some. I think there's some things that are tangible. Well, that's Maslow's hierarchy. You know, like yeah, you need a fucking roof over your head. Sure, you need food. You need clothing. I'm talking once you have all that. There's a certain. Well, even yeah, there's base levels. I still think there's even more than that. I think okay, for I'll give you an example. My shoes, right, or my snowboard. Like these are things that. You know, after even I've put all this together, I still enjoy these tangible things because they feed my soul in a different way. Like it, it's, but it's different 
for you than it's just shoes. Right, right. It's you know di- I mean? it's different for that. Yeah. You know, I I have a connection to them s- since I was a kid. Like I love I love shoes and I also love like snowboarding and that I like so I have a nice snowboard and right. I and I like to ride because of I mean that's one of the best times for me. Being sure. on a mountain all by myself and riding down. And so the ability to be able to buy that and afford to do that there's it does still fulfill that way. So I don't, I don't think it necessarily means it's never about things that could cost money or whatever. Well, let me ask you this. If you didn't have the relationships that you have, if you didn't have Katrina, if you didn't have what you're doing now with Mind Pump, you know, would you be able to find the same fulfillment from shoes? No. Probably not. No, no, no. no and that's no. what I mean. What you see a lot of, what you see a lot of, what a lot of people suffer from is is that is that that they don't re- they don't have those other things and they're trying to they're trying to find meaning by buying a lot of stuff and by well, doing the truth, all those other the things. The truth is this feeds those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? This, yeah. because of this, otherwise I wouldn't be indulging in those things, mm-hmm. right? If we mm-hmm. didn't, if this wasn't providing the means to be able to do those things that fulfill me in other ways, I, I wouldn't be doing yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, they, what do they do? There's a few studies that they've done on, like, like uh, if people spend their money on things versus spending their money on experiences, like how much, how much greater the reward is on experiences. So, like, rather than taking a thousand dollars and buying, you know, a new tech piece of tech or whatever, um, and it depends on the individual, but just as general, right? It's a study. Um, take that thousand dollars and then go on a trip somewhere instead, and people get way more out of it just from the experiences. Rather than having, you know, I think there's a lot to be said though about you know earning and and going through the process and the grind to um, appreciate things, Mm -hmm. and and I think that you know one of the pitfalls when you get celebrities where they they get like this influx of of revenue and this this money coming in that's just it's just way more than they they're used to, Uh, they start spending it in things that in ways that they just they've always wanted to do it, but it's. You know, it, it came so fast that it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. it just feels like paper money at that time. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you know, going through the well, process, it's like, you skip the, it's like they skip, they skip the steps. Step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steps so it's like you don't level. appreciate it the same way. Where it's like the value that you've created with this money, you know, and then and then applying that to something Skewed. is like a level up. Yeah, it's. You just, it's almost like when you get the game genie for, you know, video games. Yeah, I remember that, right? It's like you get all the fucking superpowers. It's like you get all superpowers at once. Yeah, it's fun. It's great. But it's it's just like, fuck, I I just like skipped all these levels. What a great example. I'm an asshole. So true. Did you you ever watch uh, The Twilight Zone when you were a kid? Yeah. Okay. It's one of my favorite. I fucking love, love the old Twilight Zone with all the twists and shit that they had and there was one episode that when I was a kid. I love this episode. Oh, well. man. When I watched it as a kid, it was like, it fucking shocked me. It was so different than what I thought. And the way it starts is there's this, this bank robber and he's, you know, running from the cops and he, you know, cops are on his tail. He turns around and pulls out his gun. They shoot at him. He shoots at them and he gets hit. And next thing you know, he, he wakes up and there's this man in a white suit standing there. And, uh, you know, looking real angelic or whatever. And he's like, hey, welcome. You know, I'm here to take care of you. And at first he's real, you know, he's, he, he doesn't think, he doesn't believe the guy or whatever. But anyway, he ends up convincing him. And he takes him to this, like, this beautiful, luxurious hotel room. And he ends up proving to the guy that the guy could have anything he wants. He goes, look, you can have anything you want. And he says, well, yeah, well, bring me three dames. And he, you know, it's an old show, right? So they said dames. Bring <laughs> One, three these, dames. Yeah, three dames. Yeah. <laughs> bring three of your best broads. Th- three hot girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Alcohol, like whatever he wants. Then he says, bring me to the casino. Brings him to the casino. 
gets on the craps table, rolls the dice, boom, seven, rolls the dice again, boom, seven. He's like, oh my God, I fucking love this place. And the guy in the white suit's like, hey, call me if you ever need anything, but you know, here we go. You know, you can do whatever you want. So then fast forward, it's like a few months later or whatever, and this guy's sitting there, you know, slumped over the craps table, hasn't shaved in a while, hair's all fucked up, and he looks disheveled, and the girls are hanging he on. He barely him. throws the dice yeah, out. And, and the girls all, you know, all over him, and, and he's trying to, you know, have a debate with the girls, but they agree with him every with everything he says, and he throws the dice, and he wins. He throws it, and he's like, this sucks. Like, there's no challenge. There's no risk. Like, every time I throw yeah, the dice, I win. win. Every time. This place sucks. So he calls back the dude with the white suit. And the guy comes back and he goes, yeah, how can I help you? And he's like, this place is terrible. He goes, every time I, I, I roll the dice, I win. Every time I, you know, I say something, these girls laugh. He goes, I need challenge. And the guy says, well, if you want, I can make sure you lose every once in a while. Just tell me when and I can make sure that the girls. He goes, nah, that's not the same. He goes, I'll know what's happening. That's not the same. He goes, I want like, like real challenge, real whatever. And he says, you know. He, looks, he goes, how could this be heaven? He goes, heaven, I, I didn't imagine heaven would be like this. This is terrible. And the guy looks at him and starts laughing. He goes, who told you this was heaven? And it was just like, holy shit, man. What a great like parable in story form. But, you know, bringing it again back to fitness, that's just obviously our, our field. I think when people start to realize that the path and the journey is what's important and it's not the end goal, when you go into your workout appreciating the workout, appreciating the challenge, when, you, when, you, when you're eating your food and appreciating what it's doing for your body and appreciating the food, you never have an issue with like stopping or quitting or being on the wagon or off the wagon. I'll never stop exercising, not because I got to my fitness goals or I want to keep to my fitness goals. I love the process. I've already gotten to that, that headspace. You know, If you're only learning to get a degree, what happens after you get your degree? You know, you want to stop learning. That happens to a lot of people, right? A lot of people. A lot of I'll people. never read again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you have a love for learning, then you'll never stop learning. And I think it's that that mental shift that people need to they need to make that shift to start to realize and the, and the irony of it all is you end up getting all the things that you thought anyway. Like like if you start to enjoy your work and find meaning in it, you'll probably make more money than you were making before. If you start to enjoy the the challenge of fitness or the challenge of whatever you're doing or the or the the learning process and the growth process, however difficult it is, and you find meaning in it, you'll end up getting all the other stuff that you thought you wanted. But the cool thing is, it won't really matter at that point. You know what I mean? And I think that's the big you know that's the big lesson at so all. True. Yeah, love it. Bonus material. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done preaching. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm gonna keep this preach going. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that soapbox. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I wanted to ask you guys this. I think you asked me this last time I was on, but um, you know, Adam and I were chatting before the show. Who have you guys had on recently that's blown your fucking mind? And I want to jump onto some other shows. Just who have you guys had on Mind Pump? But also could be who have you guys listened to on someone else's podcast oh, yeah. that just fucking fried you? Well, you're one of our favorite guests. Uh, always. Quit buttering my nuts. No, not really. Not really. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. If, if we didn't, if we thought you weren't that cool, we would. You know, we tell you you're. When you leave, though, not while you're here, because you're pretty, you're pretty big guy. <laughs> we'll get you on next year. Yeah, no, you're um, we're booked till the end of the year. <laughs> I, I think we really enjoy talking with people that we feel uh, chemistry with. Like we can have a real, like in other words, this conversation would be happening if the mics weren't on. Mm-hmm. Like when you find people like that, those are always great guests. Paul Check always blows us away. Mm-hmm. He was a he's such a fucking great time. We had we we interviewed him at uh, Paleo. And, you know, we're all smoking a joint and Paul is standing up and jumping and screaming on the mics and just so animated. And 
he goes off so deep into the weeds that you forget what the original question was, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. But then he brings it back right. and hits you with some. Sh- it's like a ride. Knowledge. It's like a ride with him, dude. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is like a ride. You just got to sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben Greenfield was a great episode. That was probably time. one of my. Ben Greenfield was. So Ben, we're all really good friends with Ben. In fact, uh, Ben was one of the first people that really kind of showed some love for us way back when we first started. Like, I mean, and a lot, we had a lot of his listeners listen to our show also. So we got a lot of love for the guy and we spent several podcast episodes in the past with him. And I'd never really felt like we'd fully connected yet. There was this kind of awkwardness still between all of us and, you know, just Ben's a different guy, you know? And so it took a while for us, I think, to really connect and we have in the last couple times we've hung out, and this was the first real podcast where I felt like like we have this dialogue. Like mm-hmm. we, you, you, we're so comfortable hanging out with you that we're all friends. Again, like Sal was saying off the mic, we would be having the same exact damn conversation. And so I think that was the first time I felt that way truly with Ben, and it was fire. Like I mean, it really was. We got we went all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was really neat to hear uh, his thought process on a lot of different things. Yeah, so I think some of our old episodes, people that impacted us, um, I remember interviewing Dr. Terry Walls, which wasn't the greatest podcast necessarily. And it opened kind of difficult because I think she thought we were like these bros or whatever. But then she realized halfway through like, oh, no, these guys are really interested in what I have to say. But I remember her her communicating about the importance of eating certain vegetables and a variety of them and how important it is for the body. And after that podcast, all of us dramatically increased our consumption of vegetables. And it's like, I take it for, I think, I think sometimes we take for granted the changes that we make in our lives after we meet someone and talk mm-hmm. with them. And that, I remember that. Remember we all went home and we're like, I'm not eating enough Oh, we all vegetables. we all made this like okay. We're I, I remember for a solid like two months. It was like I'm the main thing I'm focusing on is six to eight servings of greens, and then I want to evaluate how I feel. I remember that. No, you're right. I think everybody impacts us in different ways. Like I, there's certain guests and people that I think each of us probably enjoy being around, and that's what I think what makes uh, Mind Pump so fun and different and unique is that you know, our interests are really, really different. So I really enjoy like hanging out with the Tom Bilyeu's and the Jordan Harbingers. And I I get into, I love hearing guys that have gone and built something far greater than anything I've built, uh, share with me their journey and their process through building like a a business that large. So I love that. I I love those conversations. Yeah, I feel like we seek out a bit more of ways to humanize like so we bring people on that know a lot of shit and and are mind-blowing you know in their field but to to kind of tie that into more relatable um subject matter you know for our audience i think is something that we've really tried to to do and um like even something like like tarot i was gonna say for me was fascinating because i just didn't know that much about mushrooms you know and like i remember listening to on on joe rogan's podcast i forget his name but he's like very world-renowned for his you know, work Paul Stamets. With, Paul Stamets with his work with mushrooms, and um, just because it's like the importance it plays, uh, you know, in the environment and the ecosystem, and um, you know, like Tara was also describing ways that you know, there's there's certain mushrooms that actually can take like like radiation and uh, eliminate uh, purify like, purify it somehow and like like uh, plastic even eats plastic, and I'm just like, wow, nature's so fucking rad, you know? Yeah, like, you just don't. You don't realize what's around you. And I think that when there's moments like that, we'll bring a guest on and they kind of highlight 
areas that, you know, in your environment or the way you think, it's just like one little thing like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that. And it's right underneath my feet. Yeah. It's, it's, sometimes we'll meet people and it's like right away, you're like, oh, dude, we're going to be best friends. Like Max Lugavere, like that. Yeah, right? dude. He's fucking, fucking cool, amazing. Dude. Fucking love, he's that so guy. Good. I love that guy. He's, he's so super, good. Super smart, but also uh, very humble and super down to earth and just got a great energy about Mike him. Mike Matthews has been Mike like- Matthews, fucking love that guy. He. He's got the darkest sense of humor. Me and him, <laughs> me and him <laughs> go back and forth. Oh, I'm not even out I, of control. These I have guys. to delete them because yeah. if I ever get in a car accident, and someone finds them, <laughs> finds them, they'll think that we're just the worst humans on earth. <laughs> but he's got that sense of humor that I like too. That real dark sense of humor. Super smart guy. Great family man. Of course, we talked about uh, Ben Greenfield, Max Lucavier, um, Tom Billu. You know, here's a, a guy who started a the first fitness supplement company or food company to reach a billion dollar evaluation in a very short period of time. I don't remember how long it took, like a few years. And so he's, he's a super ultra successful guy, but now is so driven to do something else. And also, uh, just such a, such a giving, like opens his house to us, opens his arms to us, totally humble, totally like anything you guys need. I'll help you guys out. His wife, Lisa, just phenomenal people. So we get, you know, we get to hang out with those people and I get to, I love it. Cause I'm sitting around a dude that built a billion dollar company. Like there's going to mm-hmm. be some brilliance there and, and he's an open book. He'll just answer whatever questions you have. So he's been, he was pretty awesome. I'm trying to think of some other ones that really blew us away. Yeah. I like, I like that we're going a little bit into the entertainment world too. And oh, like right. finding certain people like drama was really fun for me. Just watching him growing up, uh, you know, and Robin big and, um, just to realize that, you know, he actually has a lot going on outside of that. Like it's very business savvy. And um, I just appreciated that he was a, a good dude and like very smart. Um, and obviously they don't highlight that on the show. Like they give you a totally different perspective of people. And it's, I think that's, that's always rad when you can meet somebody that actually impresses you more in person than, than, you know, what well, you've seen. And then, and then we find to have people like Ben Pakolsky who has, you know, what a cool guy to talk to if you're like super into just the fitness part of our show, right? If you're hardcore, you know, bodybuilding. Have, or you, met, have you met? Yeah, I met Ben at Paleo FX and, and he totally blew me away. He because, always, you know, you look at him and he's just, yeah. he's a fucking, he's a pro bodybuilder. Super pro minded, though. He is jacked. He yeah. is jacked to the gills, but he was talking to me about, um, I forget which talk it was that I did. And I had one of the, one of the people who had come up, had seen me talk at Paleo FX, came up after. And I think we were at um, this little meet and greet that John Durant put together, uh, author of the Paleo Manifesto and, and um, venture capitalist for a lot of the Paleo startups. An awesome dude. But So he puts this together and one of the ladies was there and she was picking my brain on uh, you know, what's appropriate for children. What are the ways we can archetype this, this modern male that, that should should be the correct archetype of a male. Cause we had talked about this on your show about, um, you know, the death of the American male panel and got into that. And, uh, Ben was awesome. He was sitting there, you know, listening in and obviously, you know, this lady kind of interrupted our conversation. So she jumps in and Ben was talking about how his four-year-old son, he's having him do Muay Thai. And I was like, really, you know, I've, I've considered having my kids learn striking and, you know, more geared towards jujitsu, but why Muay Thai? And he's like, well, in Muay Thai, you have balance and coordination, same things you'd learn in gymnastics or, or jiu-jitsu. It's humbling because you do get to, to practice, but at the same time, you learn sequences and combinations. 
So you're training mathematics, mm. right? You're training this one, two, left kick, right knee. You know, you're training oh, yeah. all these. And I was like, fuck, dude, I never looked at it that way. That makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. And how important is that for children, not only to learn to pay attention, to hone their skills, but also that mathematical application of movement tied into it. And it was, it, you know, again, like he, that course, was just one of many of things. Of course ben he would go that way too, because that's what, me the fuck if away you ever listen to him talk about movement, he's, he's yeah. very uh, mathematical about yes. all of that too, mm-hmm. which I really was drawn to that. I found him when I first got into competing, I just kept running into all these knuckleheads. I was just one after another. I didn't care how badass they looked. Like none of them had anything for me to offer to me. Everyone kept telling you asparagus and tilapia. Yeah, yeah, literally. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, please God, there's got to be somebody. And I come across Ben and I start diving through his stuff and I'm like, fuck yeah, finally somebody who's speaking some really good information out in this space that I think is just polluted with garbage. And we hit it off right away when we we hung out. So he's another great guy. And he's also very successful business-wise. I mean, the guy, because mm-hmm. that's another thing too. A lot of times you meet some of these people that are celebrities on or social media celebrities. And you think that because they have 500,000 or a million followers that, oh, they must be killing it. And pe- I, I get people inbox me all the time. Oh, how was so-and-so? And I'm like, well, I guess they were cool, you know, but I didn't have a lot to get from them. You know what I'm saying? They, they, got famous on social media for doing something or whatever. And they're really still learning how to build a business. They just, they're making money right now because yeah, if you have, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people following you, you could by default make some, make some money off of it. But a lot of them aren't that savvy. You start to learn that, uh, you know, they say don't judge a book by its cover. Sometimes you can, I guess, but a lot of times you can't like Ben Pikulski, great example, massive pro bodybuilder, super intellectual, super spiritual, very self-aware individual, definitely not a the, the stereotype of a meathead. We meet these social media, media celebrities, these YouTube stars who seem to be super extroverted, super outgoing, super charismatic on video. You meet them in person and they're introverted and they feel very anxious and awkward yeah. and whatever in real All life. All the quirks come out. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, and, and then they, and they'll even say it. They're like, "Yeah, when I'm on camera, I'm on. It when I'm off, it on, so I don't yeah. like to be around people, and I don't like to whatever." And you just, we, I keep seeing that over and over again with you know with some of the stuff we do. Uh, Jordan Harbinger was a great person to podcast with. Just from a, he's a great guy, by the way, cool, cool guy. He's been doing it as long as anyone, right? He, he, yeah. For a while, well, he's very, very polished. Good. But you know, uh, like have you met delivery. Jordan? We, you guys had a dinner here at. Uh, San Jose. Yeah, we were all together. We went oh, to the yeah, fish yeah. market. Oh, that's right, that was that's the right. first well, time there. we met. Oh him. no way! No ben Greenfield was there. Yeah, yeah Greenfield was yeah. there. Ben Greenfield Harbinger. was connecting all that's of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, oh wow! Yeah, we yeah. were hanging out with you, okay. and Ben came in, and Ben inter- and Ben brought Jordan Harbinger, mm-hmm. and so that was the first time for all of us to meet. Mm-hmm. He was still with Art of Charm at that time. He was. Yeah. yeah. But to to watch him, he's a great guy. Otherwise, so outside the podcast, he's a super nice guy, very cool guy. But you get him on the podcast, and he's brilliant. Like he's just the best podcaster that I've ever worked with. The way he directs the conversation, the the way he he you know tells stories to illustrate his points. How you know? Oh, his transitions. Like he's he's very. It's I, you start to realize like there's a real. I mean, I, I hear this about you, and you've been on Joe Rogan, so if you've experienced Joe, and I and I hear Joe is like this, where you know people don't realize how the much work. yeah the work yeah. he puts in to be really good at his craft you know i think a lot of people just think he's a cool guy or he's funny or he's smart or what that but i hear he puts in a ton of work well harbinger is another example of i think people listen to him and don't realize 
how how smart this guy is and how much work he has mm-hmm. put into his craft. And he's, again, like some of these guys we've met that are really cool that are an open book. So you can ask him questions like, oh, why did you say that? Or why did you go this way? And he, he can tell you. There was what. a, for a while there, we had trouble with our interviews. Uh, and I, I, when I say trouble, I don't mean we were terrible, but they weren't, we didn't get in the same chemistry flow energy as when it's just the three of us. And it was kind of difficult when you had another guest in the room. And something I asked Jordan because there's always that issue, like if, especially if you're starting, a, if you're listening, you're starting a podcast. You know what I'm talking about. You have a guest, you invite in, you you're talking to them, and then maybe you disagree with them, or they say something that is controversial, and you want to confront them about it. But then you also feel like you need to be polite because they're your guest, host. They're right. on your show. You're the host. So like, what do you do? So you end up sounding like you're giving them a hand job the whole time, or like you're pumping them up, or or you know, pumping his tires. And, uh, you know, I talked to Jordan about that. And I'm like, you know, sometimes I disagree with people, and stuff, but I feel weird about how I bring it up and stuff. And he, and he said something that was obvious, but it, it made total sense. And he's like, look, you're recording your show for your audience, not for your guest. So go ahead and do that. Worst case scenario, they get pissed off and you have a great episode anyway, because, you know, there's this, this conflict on the show. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Like I would do that in real life. I'm the kind of person that if I'm talking to you in real life and I disagree with you, like I'm going to tell you. All of a sudden, now I'm on the podcast. I got to be super polite, and so I, that's I listen to podcasts differently now than I did when we, before we started. Like you asked earlier, like if there's shows that we listen to now, like I don't even listen to full shows, but I do follow people like Jordan, like Stephen Crowder, Joe, and I I just drop in to to listen to them. Like I'm so into how, and of course because this is our craft now, right? So I'm I get excited to pay attention and listen to these little things that these guys do. And pick up on that, like I, I like that. So I, I listen now to podcasts totally different than how I, I would listen to it before. Where before I was trying to consume the information that they're, they're now you're listening to like become a better podcast. Yeah, I'm listening to the flow of the conversation and the transitions and just the cadence of how they talk and and the pauses, mm-hmm. like all those things. I think yeah. are lately really I've cool. been watching mm-hmm. a lot of um like what I consider compelling public speakers on YouTube to learn how to be truly effective when speaking to a large audience. The one person in particular I've been watching a lot is Jordan Peterson, which I've brought up on, on our podcast a few times, and I think I brought it up on the one where you interviewed me. And um, when you watch him, he's very different. He's a very different public speaker. But one thing that he does very well is he talks to individuals in the audience. And you can see he makes You can see audi- that with the eye contact. Yeah. Yes, and he talks about that. He says, you know, when you're talking to a group of people, you're not talking to a crowd. You're talking to a a group of individuals. So talk to those individuals. And when you're answering a question or when you're making a point, look at one person, make that point because then you can get feedback. Now you're having a conversation rather than talking to this huge thing. So I've been watching him speak. You know, I like his information too. I think he's, he's got some very interesting stuff that he says, but I also, now I'm watching more to see how he does, how, how he communicates. And he does that very well. And sometimes he'll look down while he's thinking but then he'll make eye contact with someone and make a point. And I'm like, oh shit, that's really powerful. The other thing I'm learned from learned from watching him and other speakers is the ability and comfort with silence. So many times when you're talking and you know you're being recorded or you're in front of a crowd, you're terrified of not filling space. Mm. Like I need to keep talking. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really good speakers do is they'll stop for a second and gather the thoughts so that they can really say what they're going to say in a concise way. But it also adds a little bit of drama to the speech or the, to the talk where it 
pulls you yeah, in. Pulls the whole audience in. Closer. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah. shit, like that is really effective. There's and definitely I, an art to that. There is, and I find myself sometimes in the past, and I'm doing better at it now. Now I'll, I'll pause if I have to gather my thoughts, but you know, trying to fill that space or whatever, like get rid of that, pause for a second. It's okay, and you'll be much more effective at what you're trying to communicate uh, because of it. And it's just something that. Yeah, I just started to pick up on. It. It's funny how you can continue, and it's funny too because for years I taught sales uh, to people in fitness. I, I would teach sales training to, to salespeople at Twenty Four Fitness, and I would teach it to other general managers. One of the first lessons that I ever that I would ever teach a salesperson was: uh, listen, use your ears and mouth in proportion. Listen twice as much as you talk. So that means you don't have to f- keep talking to sell someone something. Listen, and then the second thing I would say is. When you ask a question, shut up and let them answer. Because sometimes when you sit down for a sale and you ask the person the final closing question, you know, which option do you prefer? And then you stop. If that person's thinking about their answer, a amateur salesperson can't stand that 10, 15, 20 second period of quiet and they end up like waiting and then they'll jump in and be like, well, you know, you could go with this one. Or if you're thinking about it and they fuck up the whole sale, it's like, oh shit! It's the same thing when I'm on the podcast or when I'm talking in front of a group. No need to feel that, you know, fill that right. dead air. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you had to toss him the hot, the fucking know, hot that's potato that's there. Exactly. Yeah. I love it though. Same thing goes in comedy. You know, like you guys will take, they'll have a a break to take a sip of water, and you see it with like you know the guys, the opening acts. They're kind of there's always like that awkward transition where they're kind of <laughs> you know like laughing at their own joke yeah. and then, you know that reminds me of and they just like can't they got to roll right into the next thing yeah or the timing's a little off yeah. but it's all mastery of craft how have you I mean you guys are fucking that it's it's different for everybody that that's getting into podcasting because most people might do one a week that kind of thing you know obviously with the on it podcast we're once a week and I started that way prior to coming on it you guys have really advanced at an accelerated pace because of the fact that you're pumping out so much stuff. And, you know, you guys are at six episodes a week now? Five, five podcasts a week. I think we're on episode seven. I think I thought you guys were doing like a Saturday show well, we, as well or no, some we shit. No, we got five shows a week on the podcast and every now and then we do a bonus. And yeah. then in addition to that, we're dropping three to five YouTubes every week too though, which are completely now different. Like there's, mm. it's not mirroring the podcast those are those are you know, brand new content. fresh content yeah. that's completely yeah. different right so i you know and it's like anything else like anything Congrats, else that man. you become a master at okay how many hours did you put into jitsu before you consider yourself fucking really good right it's i think that's just it's a it's required i i think it took over ten thousand hours before i was a good trainer you know mm-hmm. i was a shitty trainer mm-hmm. for five thousand of those hours for sure and on my way to becoming better but before I think I was really a true master at it, or really great. Like I think that you got to just you got to put that time in, and I think we pieced that together early on. I remember when we first lit the mics up, we all one hundred percent agreed like this is not this was not something that we would do, and I didn't think that we were fucking great. But what I was excited about was I really I think we all really enjoyed it, and we all we already knew about each other as far as the way everyone was growth minded that we would all get better. It was like, okay, yeah. we know we're going to get better because if this is something we enjoy and we're already passionate about, we're just starting and we all are so growth minded. I know each of these guys, which is exactly what we all saw. We saw week over week, we weren't really talking much about, you know, the guest and this and that. It was really about our our own craft. Like, 
you know, I don't like when you do that or how, when you do this or that, oh, that was really good. I love when you guys bring that up. Or, you know, we were always very critical. Sit and criticize each other after oh, each show. Oh, hardcore. Every time. And You're I think a real that's piece why... of shit when you talk about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 for real. We I would. think that's why people go back because it literally is a timeline. Like you can see the progression of mm. each of us individually. What, like everything that just happened in our personal lives, um, just what we were going through that was struggles that we faced on the podcast or, you know, trying to get better at something. It was just like, we talk about it and we're an open book about it. And it's, it's interesting because it, we literally did treat it just like, uh, you know, we're trainers or we're working out. Like it's just reps. Like we just got to keep getting after it. And we just know that we could get better. I really, I started to piece it together when we would do, uh, we would go on these trips to podcasts right, right. and we'd go to like LA. So true. Or we go to Paleo FX, and what we do when we do when we go on these trips, the goal is to get between two to four, usually usually three podcasts a day while we're there. And you know, we go to these events because there's a lot of speakers and people there, so it's easy. To, everybody's in one area. Or when we go to LA, there's a lot of podcasters in LA. Mm -hmm. So when we go down there, we can usually book fish in a know, barrel. Yeah, five or six over a course of two or three days. And you know, we used to we'd call it podcast hard. And in fact, we have the hashtag now podcast hard. Because of it, because we'd go and we would like, and you would think that we would get tired and get worse, but the reality is the second and third day, we were always way better than the first day. And that first day we were as good as we were when we left. So it was like, it was like advancing at such a rapid rate. And I know we'd come back to the to Which the anybody who's ever like snowboarded, skate, skateboarded, any extreme type sport has experienced this. Like if you were like a weekend warrior where you just went on once or twice on the weekend every once in a while. Versus if you ever took a trip where you went for a week and you rode like every single day. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's ever done that can relate to this. Like, and I, Dude. I remember that as a kid, you know, it's just, it's that flow state. You get into that flow easier. state and you, get you into it yes, and you progress so much. And so we kind of hacked into that. I know, early. I noticed that this paleo effects, cause we had five podcasts for on it in the week leading up and then a couple during, and then five in the week that followed and another two after that. And it was just like, all right, these next two weeks are going to be a clusterfuck. I don't know if, if I'll keep up, but I think I can. And then it was like, it just got fucking easier and easier and easier as it went through. And thankfully, we had some really great guests in that time period, so we could extract the most from the, those experiences. But I want to take it back to that first Palo effects that you guys brought me out to a yeah. year ago. You guys are talking about being growth-minded individuals. That was the first time where I spent, you know, every fucking waking moment with you guys, mm -hmm. you know? And to see that, how your minds worked, constantly refining, constantly seeing of what's the next step to grow the operation, what are the different avenues you can go down. There's no doubt you guys have it dialed in on the type A, go, go, go. What are the ways that you guys unplug yourselves and fucking find peace and just take a deep breath and say, all right, I've hit that two weeks hard. I podcasted hard. Now I got to fucking rest hard. You, you, mm. you know what's funny? So I think it's a blessing that... Uh, that you know, I have kids and Justin has kids. Because if we didn't, <laughs> we'd all be like Adam. So no, true. It, it's, it's so, so true. true. It, you no, know, I, I would have this fucking camping here, bro. Well, yeah, I bro. think all of us would want to. Well, yeah, we we'd would. Have bags under eyes, and just our skin would be gray. Yeah, yeah. and so we're kind of forced, right? We like, look like our boy Tom Bilyeu a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's our boy Tom. Yeah, yeah, up yeah, at two a.m. That's why we. Hard. That's why we connect with him grind, so much grind, because grind, it's like, yeah, he's He is hundred percent grinds hard. You know. No, I think it's. You know, we sprint is what we do. So we sprint real fast for a short period of time. And then I'm like, I want to spend time with my kids. I need to. And then the other thing too is I, I just got, I got divorced a couple of years ago 
And I worked so much and so often while I was married during that whole 15-year period that I 100% acknowledged that that played a big role in my divorce. I definitely was half of the equation there. Um, she wasn't perfect herself in other ways, but for sure I contributed because I was fucking gone a lot. Mm. I was either working a lot or because I was thinking about work all the time. And I love work and I can definitely you know, get into a space where that's all I do, but that's not, that's not a good thing. And so because of that, we will bust our ass, we'll work really hard, and then we'll make sure to take time. And like when we're here at the studio and we don't have, like we're not on a trip or whatever, we're out of here by 2.30, 3 o'clock. So by 2.30, 3 o'clock, we typically will leave. I'll get, I'll get to pick up my kids from school, which is so awesome. I get to do homework with them. I get to make dinner. We hang out. Um, I make sure to take you know a few trips every year, short ones, and then maybe one longer one that's you know five to seven days or whatever, which is – and I tell you what, you know, it forces Adam to take one too. This is the best thing. If it, I, Honest to God, if, if, if we didn't do it, this motherfucker wouldn't fucking do it. And I, but it's good, right? Because then we do it, we come back and we're like rested and, and, and we feel fresh and we feel um, energized and like, all right, let's do this again. But in the past, man, it was just pure balls to the wall all the time. And in that state of mind, I would have thought there was nothing wrong with it. But on the outside of it, I could see like, yeah. we're probably more effective the way we are now. And maybe we'll grow slower as a result of it. But I don't know if that's a bad thing. Well, we're not, we don't care about that. I yeah. mean, we don't. Uh, that's different. That's why it, the reason why it works, and, and it, it's for sure a, a struggle. It was more of a struggle for me when we first started. Like it used to drive me crazy that we worked <laughs> yeah. five days a week, fucking nine to two, bro. I mean, yeah. we built this thing on nine to two. We really did, and which is cool to say that we were able to do that and and have this because I think we have a, an incredible balance of that. I mean, everybody in here is been somewhere vacation wise recently or done something really cool. I mean, last night I was at the game with Katrina. Like we, I make sure to detach from the business and more, more so than anything else. It's the, the phone. What I, what I notice. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. like I love this and I love talking and working all the time, but I see the, the unhealthy part when I see uh, what it, what it leads to with the phone, because the phone right now is my computer. The whole business is within that. And there is always something for me to do on it. There is always a chart to be analyzing. There is always accounts to be balancing. Mm -hmm. There's always appointments to be rescheduling. There's always Instagram yeah, and social DM media message to answer. Up. There's yeah. always work to be done. And so, and the, and it all results in the growth of this business. And mm -hmm. so learning to practice that, like, okay, you know, allotting myself certain time to work on it and then shutting it down. I feel like I've personally, I can speak for myself that I've gotten really good at this where, you know, at a certain time at night, I'm, my phone goes away from me mm -hmm. and, and I still allow myself cause I'm, I'm realistic that we're building something really big. And so it's, I mean, I'd be silly to think that I'm not going to work some late nights. So when we're in, in, into something that is pressing and I got to get it done. I allow my, and I don't, and I'm not, my relationship is healthy because I just had a great night with, you know, my woman the night before. So I don't feel like I'm depriving her of attention. Like, okay, I might give myself a free pass tonight. I'm going to work till really, really late and I'm going to do that. But then I'm, I'm aware enough of that, that, that I can't allow that to become a pattern because it can be. I'm the type of person where that could become a pattern where I'm grinding every night till midnight and working even after hours when we leave here. But, you know, again, this is why we were so blessed with so many of these brilliant minds that we've had the opportunity to talk to, you know, 
you you mentioned and you talk about sleep like man it, it was maybe last year when i really connected um how much the computer and the phone was affecting my sleep you know and when i started to just like okay let me put this into practice if i turn off all the electronics and i go by candlelight and i get rid of my phone by seven o'clock or earlier let's see what happens and whoa lo and behold I had amazing sleep, you know, or amazing sex, then sleep, you know, it was mm -hmm. like, I could really see how it was affecting my relationship and my sleep, which are to me, both extremely important to your overall health. And so I've learned to, to navigate back and forth. And I think people that uh, are completely extreme on that side, where they're, they're so concerned about being unplugged, are going to have a really hard time with probably building something of this size. Cause I think mm -hmm. you have to allow a little bit of flexibility For there sure. that like, yeah, dude. I mean, with business, timing is everything. Yeah. So speed matters and getting this thing done. Like, so there's, there is this kind of ebb well, we and flow. We all feel we the urgency. And I think that we all relate on the grind mentality. We all went through that process of, um, you know, creating, developing our own individual businesses to the level that we could possibly maximize ourselves as an individual. And I think that um, that, that mentality, like I, I personally have struggled through that whole process because my life changed. You know, I have two kids, like I have more responsibilities. I have like a lot more places I need to be all at once. And then, you know, also having another business coming into this business and then having to release that and then really kind of focus and harness in on, you know, what we're trying to accomplish with this business is so much greater. And it's, it's really, it's about efficiency and, to be able to now kind of peel back all these other um, all these other stressors that I'm like, wow, I was so focused all over the place that now I can peel back and just get down to the essentials and be way more efficient and maximize my time here while I'm maximizing my time at home where I can understand how to even be present because you carry that shit with you as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. home. And it doesn't matter if, if it feels like, you know, I'm not working. I'm, I'm like, I have all this anxiety because I feel like I'm not working. Yeah. And so that, that used to just drive me crazy because I'm just like, I can't, I'm doing this. And I'm like, you know, and the guys probably think I'm fucking, you know, just fucking <laughs> off right now. You know, it's just used to drive me crazy because I love working, you know, and I love, I'm like, I'm like a workhorse, you know, but I just can't, <laughs> I can't do that shit anymore. You know, you have to like prioritize things and learn how to be more efficient and uh, be more organized, which is another thing we all struggle with. I know I can speak for all of us, dude. We, <laughs> yeah. I definitely can speak for You're the for most us. organized yeah. and you're not that organized. And I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I lost it. Now I'm trying to bring it back. You know? so, yeah. So it's, but yeah, to gotta, be able to three, unplug, it's, it's difficult. You got three visionaries, you know what I mean? Or, or four visionaries, including Doug, although Doug is by far the most organized. Oh, fuck, you had Taylor in there too. Yeah, you got a sure. bunch of visionaries and it's like, Okay, who's going to actually implement this shit now that we've got all these great ideas, you know what I mean? Right. Who's going to actually put it into play? One of my favorite things to do when I have time, uh, like on a weekend or whatever, if I have my kids, I like to schedule something where we go off into nature um, and everybody, you know, obviously no reception or anything on our cell phones and we'll hike or climb boulders or, you know, I'll, I'll teach them about grounding or we'll play board games if it's raining outside and just being together the whole day and having a great time. I love doing that. And then when I don't have my kids, one thing that Jessica and I love to do is one of the funnest things you could ever do, by the way. And you might, I think you might have been the one to tell me to do this. Uh, where you were, you were teaching me about a museum dose of, of LSD, where you take a small <laughs> amount 
and then you go to a museum. I didn't bring it up, Adam. I know. <laughs> I was just about to give you props, Kyle, Dude. and then <laughs> Sal comes in. Wait, we don't have to go down the uh, rabbit hole. It's yeah, all right. Yeah, it's yeah, the honor yeah, podcast. Yeah. That shit's welcome. Dude, <laughs> you know, at the end, yeah, let's talk about Can it. Can I tell you something? That is fucking fun, man. You take a little bit, you go to the museum with your fr- with your girl or your friend, and you're there all day, and you're just like, this is so exciting and fun. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things works to do. It, is, it is pretty incredible. Yeah, edibles works too, and, and that's legal in the state of California, so you're not breaking any laws. Yeah. Did you guys, have you guys been to um, the Monterey Bay Aquarium yet? Oh, I love. Uh, a bunch of times. I love the I'm Aquarium. saying on a microdose or an edible. Oh, yeah, oh, an edible, yeah. Bro. Cuttlefish yeah. will Amazing. steal an hour of your day. At yeah. minimum, oh. they look like fucking aliens. Have you ever seen a cuttlefish? Yes. What, what are those? They're completely. Like? They're a squid that's completely clear, yeah. and they okay. shoot luminescent light through their like body. Rainbows. That's the color of the fucking rainbow. Yeah. 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 I, what it I, looks like they're from a different planet. Oh, totally. One of my favorite things to do there is to go in the where they have all the jellyfish, which mm-hmm. are, which are, for me at least, easily the most fascinating creature ever, you've ever seen. Like yeah. they literally look like pure energy floating through the ocean. Mm-hmm. They're very strange, right? Very very strange animals. But I'll sit in those dark rooms where you see because you've been there recently, right? Yeah. I'll sit in the dark rooms where you see all the jellyfish, and I can sit there and literally start to feel emotion from it. Like I'll sit and just stare for. I could sit there for hours if I didn't have my kids with me. I'd sit there for hours and just watch these things floating around and just start to feel. I don't know what I'm feeling, yeah. but I just get overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> funny. Awesome. Like uh, I think they picked up on like adults really getting into going, and so they've actually like opened up later hours. And me and my wife went one time, and they actually had like a whole wine event to go alongside that. And we're like, eh, wine, whatever. We took edibles, but uh, <laughs> yeah, went through the whole thing. Like it was totally a different experience. Like it was all dark, and so yeah, definitely like the jellyfish and uh, the big tanks where I didn't know they open late like that. Yeah, sometimes That's they'll do that. Cool. I, really I would cool. love to do that. Dude, it's I so highly fun. suggest it. Yeah, the yeah. sea otters. My daughter yeah. lost her shit over sea otters. She'd never seen a sea otter in person, or oh, she did when she was real young. They're like a little like fucking teddy bear. She's like. They're, yeah, she's like, it's a little puppy in the water. And then they hold hands when they're laying next to each other and shit. And of course, I had to buy her five sea otter <laughs> stuffies. I don't know. Do, do, does your does your kid like hit your freaking buttons where you want to just buy him shit all the time? Because my kids, can, my daughter does especially. He's, he just turned three. So he's not really, I mean, he, he wants things, right? But I mean, Tosh is so great. She went to the dollar store and bought like 30 things and in pot, helping him potty train. Like every time he'd go poop on the poo-poo potty. We'd let him pick out one of these toys from the toy bin, which are a fucking dollar a piece. Oh yeah, that's nice. right. So good job, Bear. When you know we cross out, we have a little check mark thing. He puts a sticker a on the board. Trap or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All the yeah. cheap toys. He's gonna play with it for three yeah. hours anyways, and then <laughs> the be fucking done cup, with it. Like you know, yeah. some of his favorite toys are bouncy balls that you spend at the you know two quarters in the quarter yeah. machine. You know, so um, I'm sure that time will come, but also. Like every Christmas, one of the things we do is because obviously he he knows it's Christmas time. He's aware. He knows yeah. there's going to be a lot of presents. We go and we'll do toy drives. So oh, he yeah. gets to be a part of the process of picking out toys for other kids that don't get to have toys. Such a great lesson. Yeah. And then we understand on. like this is about giving. It's not about mm-hmm. receiving. You know, like you're going to get your toys and that'll happen. It'll be cool. And whatever you want. You know, it's not like he... We don't have a TV, so it doesn't get flooded with fucking commercials all day long where he has to have the latest, greatest, whatever shiny fucking thing there is, right? But that process has been really cool because we've done that with him before he could comprehend what it was, you know? And now that he's starting to get it, 
He really does enjoy Have you it. ever thought about how you, mm. do you plan to introduce TV to him? I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, it's not like he's completely unplugged. He gets iPad time, you know, but that's a lot easier to stick above the fridge and say like, hey, no, the iPad's dead or, oh no, we, we're going to watch that later, that kind of thing. And it makes it a treat. Like right now, we're you know, we're in town staying with family and they got TVs in every fucking room. So, you know, he knows all the old Disney movies and the Pixar movies and, and oh, I want to watch, uh, I want to watch Nemo or I want to watch this. And it's like, all right, we're going to play in the bounce house. We're going to go to the beach and then we'll watch Nemo tonight. So there, there, there is a balancing act still. Um, but I mean, yeah, you know, like it's, 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 you can't just unplug your fucking are, kid. Are, you're going to dismantle them because they need right to have now certain... as a father that you're trying to wrap your brain around that you're not sure how you're going to handle when, when you need to, like, are you, are you, do you feel pretty confident, like how you're going to handle every situation? Well, you know, what's been tough for me because I was bullied as a kid and then, uh, fought a lot and those kind of things. And then as somebody who rose to the level that I did as a fighter, you know, like I became, I got to, a, I always welcomed it. Like, like I'm going to say no, I'm going to say no. And then you punch me or you push me. And then it's like a huge smile on my face. Now I get to beat your ass. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's, it's difficult for me to see him playing with other kids and then kids be kids, you know, but then it, I have to remind myself and my wife does a great job of this. It's like, not every kid's going to play with them or like older girls when they're like, they want to play with him until they figure out he's a boy. And they're like, no, we don't want to play with you. You're a boy, mm. you know, and he's just fucking heartbroken, right? You can see like him just sink and his shoulders are slouched and he'll walk back oh, to us crying. Man. And it's like, fuck, but. You just want to go beat up those little kids. Yeah, I just want to <laughs> fucking, that's fucking whoop like those girls, yeah. fuck those little girls, yeah. you know, but, but no, but, it's, but that's, that's, the, that's a part of it, right? Yeah. And, just, you know, Sal and I were talking about that. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you don't want to put your kid in a fucking bubble. Jordan Peterson's big on that, you know, like how we educate our kids. <laughs> you can't put them in a bubble because they're not prepared for the real world, right? right? Yeah. So you have to allow them. And that's something that I always argue with my wife about is like, let him eat shit. Let him fall. Let him get the fucking ouchie. Let him scrape his knee so he respects that scooter. Mm -hmm. right. So he really pays attention, right? So there's, there's all these little things that I think add up. And ultimately, you're just trying to prevent death and and serious injury, mm -hmm. but you're not trying to prevent pain and hurt and all the shit that's going to help them grow Dude, and learn. It's so hard yeah. to see your kids deal with the, especially with the like bullying or the drama between each other. Like my daughter's, mm -hmm. my daughter's eight and l little girls seem to be, uh, just, uh, just cause they mature faster. They seem to deal with this a little earlier, but like my daughter comes home and she's like, so-and-so didn't want to play with me again today. And she told my other friend not to play with me and they kind of make, make their little, you know, their, their, their little tribe or whatever and, and excluded her. And so I want to like call the parents. I want to like jump in and be like, Hey, tell yeah. your daughter to play with my kid. Otherwise, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I stayed out of it and I talked to my daughter and I said, okay, so well, sometimes she's not going to want to play with you and that's okay. So play with someone else or play by yourself and that's okay. And so I'm walking her through the process and at the same time, I'm controlling myself because I could see how sad she is. I could, she was crying. I could see how stressed out she was about it. Yesterday, I open up her, she gives me her, her homework folder and in the homework folders, like work that she's done and got graded or whatever. And then there was a little note in there from the same girl. And the note was like, you know, I love you. You're, you're my best friend. I'm sorry I was mean to you or something like that and signed her name. I was like, they figured it out. You know what I mean? They figured it out together and what a great learning lesson, you know? The other thing that I've more recently started to, uh, to, to pay attention to was letting my kids learn how to be bored. You know? That's a huge one. Dude, when I was, when we were kids, like 
First of all, cartoons were not on. Bro, you would play with rocks and sticks as a kid. Literally, I remember that. I I remember like for hours being like in a dirt or a sandbox. And that's. Did you ever see? uh, I think it's a million ways or a thousand ways to die in the West by Seth MacFarlane. Oh, the creator of Family Guy. I've seen parts of it. It's so good. These kids are running through the fucking old West with this giant. It looks like a hula hoop made out of wood and a stick. And the sticks in between it. Like, That's going to rot their brains. These <laughs> <laughs> kids in their damn sticking ring is going to ruin their minds. Well, I mean, when, when, <laughs> I mean, think about it. when we were kids, cartoons were not on 24 hours a day. There wasn't a cartoon network. Mm-hmm. You had to catch them at Saturday morning or right after school. Otherwise, they weren't on. So TV sucked for most of the time. There wasn't electronics or video games to play. Your parents... Back then, parents didn't think they had to entertain you 24 hours a day. So my mom would be like, figure it out. Yeah. Like, go do something. I don't Get care. outside. And learning to, be, learning to be bored is an important skill. In fact, I've lost it as an adult. I can't sit and wait for anything now without my phone. I feel like I'm like, what do I do? I'm going to yeah. sit here and Panic. like, I can't take a shit without my phone. Do you know how weird that is? Like I sit, you know, I used to, I used yeah. to take shits all the time without my phone. All of a sudden now, if I don't have my phone, I'm like, I can't, I'm going to hold it until I get my, until my phone's charged. That's not good practice. You should be, so like, you know, like people say like, be mindful of your food, yeah. turn off electronics when you're eating, pay attention, watch it go in. It helps with digestion, helps with being present. <laughs> Same thing with your shit. And I was talking to Eddie Bravo about this. The guy who started 10th planet. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he would yeah. fucking, he will for the listeners. Of course you guys do. Yeah. <laughs> so he was saying that he, he, he started, his asshole started bleeding. Oh and he's God. talking to me about this at the last on an invitational. And wow. I was like, what, what happened? And he goes, well, it's my only fucking break. You know, I got, I got my, I got my son and I got my girl, you know, I got my girl. And so my only time is like, my only sanctuary is the shitter. So yeah. I bring my phone in there and I get on Instagram and I'm playing video games and I'm doing this thing. And it was great. But when you sit like that, your butthole protrudes. And so he was doing that for too long, even after dumping Gave himself a hemorrhoid. Yeah. I was fucking causing ass bleeding. Yeah. So like he couldn't yeah, get rid of it until then the, finally his brother was like, dude, how long are you on the can for? And he's like, I don't know, 45 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, that Al Bundy <laughs> shit, that's TV stuff. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's oh, not man. proper. If you were to hold, and that's the thing, like if you were to hold yourself out in nature, if you go to take a duty in the woods in that nice ass to grass squat, how long can you hold that position? Right. Yeah. It's not long. It yeah. ain't a 10 minute shit. That's for sure. Yeah, especially uh, in that position. I right? go until my legs get numb. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> like you're sitting there so long, but it's like a holy place, you know. I understand where Eddie's coming from. Yeah, I think that's like, a male thing. You ever you, and you get up and you have to lean, lean over the sink and wait for your legs to wake up so you could. Yeah. God forbid there's an emergency. <laughs> Start shaking your kids one are out. Like, Dad, someone broke into the house. You're fucked huh, because you can't what? run. I, I mean, can't hold what? Trina tries to talk to me. Yeah. Leave me alone. This is my time. Oh, does she talk to the yeah, door? Yeah, she. <laughs> my girl does that. Right. She'll be trying to ask me questions about work and this yeah. that. I'm you like, just turn the fan on. Yeah, yeah, without yeah, even like, replying. I'm like, go away. This is my <laughs> one time. Everybody walks in on me. Come on, leave me alone. My girlfriend does the same thing. She'll sit on the other side of the door. She'll try to talk to me. Right, but then she can tell when I'm on my phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, she, I'll just ignore her. Yeah, I'll be like, she yeah. starts to catch on. She sees you click like on 10 different things on Instagram. No, I'll just yeah. The like, bathroom's glowing. That's why yeah, it's dark. I'm just <laughs> answering like, yep, yeah, yeah. yep, uh-huh, uh-huh. And she's like, really? Uh-huh, to, you know, going to dinner with my mom again? Uh, like, no, wait a minute. They need, they need that skill. And so I, I have this rule now in my house where my kids get four hours total for the whole week of electronic time. And that doesn't include doing schoolwork and stuff like that. And that's not that much time for seven days. You know, it's, it's not that much time. 
So my kids, and they're good. They're rationing their time when they need to use We're it. We're A-B testing Justin yeah. and Sal's kids yeah. right now. And it's fucking, <laughs> dude, it's yeah. brilliant. It's so brilliant. Like, you don't realize how big I don't big know. I like Justin's, dude. I don't know. I'm, I'm torn right now as the, the, the non-father of the group, like watching both you guys implement the similar structure and strategy yeah. around technology. Right. And I love what you're both doing. I think it's fucking awesome. I think I don't think there's any one way to do it. I just think it no, needs it, to be regulated. As there a, should be as structure. A, there should that's be structure. No doubt. And you're just trying to create that and like see if it works. And I, that's why I think parenting is. It's like there's no like handbook that's going to work for everybody. Just like fitness, Throw spaghetti nutrition. On the wall, huh? Yeah. But you, but you kind of intuitively you figure it out, right? You know how your kids react when uh, certain things, and so it's like I can I can kind of create this because I know he gets uh, motivated and incentivized by doing these types of things, and so let's make an economy out of this and let's figure this out and like how to kind of motivate them and steer them into healthier habits, and so yeah, that's kind of what I've tried to do uh, in my household, and it's so far it's been. Like my oldest especially has been really like motivated by it because it's like he's starting to equate, um, you know, doing things. Well, explain the how house. You, explain how you've structured it completely. So explain. Yeah, how so you- I I have this board and I put um I put some like uh, clips on there to where I actually take cash and so I'll take like a few dollars and I'll put it on there so visibly they can see there's cash there and then there's like on the bottom there's basically what they can pay that cash towards so whether it's like. Um, towards playing video games, whether it's towards watching TV or having a dessert or, um, you Spearmint know, Rhino. Yeah. Spearmint <laughs> Rhino. You know what I mean? well, that's that's later. That's with <laughs> dad. You know, dad has to be in that one. So, uh, but, uh, so I put like sort of a, a value on each one of these, these chores or he can come, he can present like, um, you know, some, some sort of work, you know, like for instance, he decided he wanted to blow off the deck and, and do all that. And then, and so we're, we're figuring out together what that should be worth. And so, you know, it's like, maybe that's three bucks, you know, mm-hmm. if you spent X amount of time. So anyway, it just brings a conversation where they start figuring out like, okay, if I do this, it's going to equate to this. And so, I mean, Teach, it, you're, it's teaching, not, you're teaching that sacrifice lesson right yeah, now. 100%. Indirectly. Yeah, and, indirectly. So now I have to pay this to that. And right, t- I have to sacrifice to this indulging. 30 minutes to an hour of labor outside, which I'm sure isn't fun for a kid to do. So I then can turn around and have a half hour, hour of video and game. And that like is a that. skill. That right. is a skill you need to learn. That the sacrifice, you know, the, the present me for future me. That is a very, that's a life lesson that you need to learn. Right. But you know when when they're what do your kids do when they're bored? Like have you have you seen kind of what they come up with? Because yeah, so that's another thing. Like I've uh, so I've tr- I've tried to make more opportunities available to them. Like uh, this summer, I'm trying to make a uh, literally build a treehouse, and and they they're so motivated for me to do this that they've already started doing it themselves. Like they've found like loose wood around uh, you know the backyard, and they're that's already so stacking it and trying to make. Um, and I've, I've created downstairs one of my rooms. I just have all these, like this climbing apparatus and like a, a climbing wall. And, um, just so there's like physical things they can do. So they never have like that, like, well, I'm bored. I'm like tough. And that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Like they have yeah, to he, figure, he, fucking figure it out. <laughs> you say it like that to them? Yeah. Honestly, like I, I know it's, it's old it school. Like I, I'm not like, there's no woo woo in, in the way that I approach any of this shit. It's just like. You you have to figure it out because I had to figure it out, dude. My my kid yesterday he was he was like, can I hey can I watch TV? And I'm like, yeah, if you want. And he's like, does it does it count towards my time? I'm like, well, of course it does. So I'm I'm upstairs doing you know folding laundry, and I come downstairs, 
And he's asleep on the couch. I'm like, this fucker, he's bored, so he decided to take he a nap. He just went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's like, maybe he was tired. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe he's tired and he would have kept his ass awake with some electronic bullshit, but now he's actually got the opportunity to sleep. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, yeah, let him mean, take a nap. He needed it. Yeah, let him take <laughs> a nap. There you go. That's it. We need naps. <laughs> we do. Yeah, yeah. we do. Are you a napper? I'm not a napper. It's I, tried, I tried to implement napping in my life like for a couple of years. Oh, I totally could. I did. I did when I, there was a there was a, a short post workout nap. Maybe oh. like a five minute one. It's like a short one. I can do. I can't do the long one. I'm not sure that's a nap. Yeah. I'm not sure five that's minutes qualifies. Yeah. 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 Every now and then I'll nap, but most of the time I can get what I need from meditation and quiet time. It's more about taking, creating a space where I can silence my mind and, you know, quiet what's around me, maybe throw on binaural beats, darken the room, that kind of thing. A lot of times if I find that my, if I only have five or 10 minutes, I'll do breath of fire or something that charges me up, go outside, do some of Paul Check's Tai Chi, you know, rip the shirt off, that kind of shit. It's going to be you guys are so blessed here in the Bay. I mean, it's fucking, it's such perfect weather. It's like yeah. 96 and humid back home in, in Austin right now. So, you know, how I'm going to have to deal with that. And that, that may keep me indoors a bit more. Um, but, you know, there's always some practice because we do have that lull. And that's something that Michael Walker was talking about, you know, that I was mentioning you guys, the sleep expert that Rogan had on, wrote a fantastic book, Why We Sleep. And, um, you look cross-culturally, so many humans sleep biphasically still to this day. Still, they have siesta, yep. right? And so if it was a part of our culture and we weren't so heavily caffeinated, would we do that? Yeah. A lot of people would, mm -hmm. right? Especially if businesses shut down, you know, as they do in these other countries. Like, yeah, Spain, like we yeah. would fucking have Especially that if moment. You, if you didn't have access to technology all the time, think about that. If you were bored as an adult, you probably would probably take- fall asleep. Yeah, well, I would, yeah. My, my ideal- Especially if you got up early and you were doing laborious type stuff yeah. that was tiring, you Dude, know what I'm yeah. saying? So my, by, by one o'clock- You've already you put be, in the work. Yeah, you'd yeah. be tuckered by one yeah. o'clock. Right? My ideal, ideal situation would be uh, a post-workout walk and then nap. Every single, if I could do that, that would be so, and I used to have the opportunity to do that sometimes because when I owned my wellness studio, I'd work out midday when I wouldn't have clients. I'd always have a three hour break. I'd go for a walk after my workout. And then if one of the massage rooms was available, I'd lay down on the massage bed. Jerk off, then fall asleep. Uh, right. That's Absolutely. My move. Exactly <laughs> what I would do. Hey, leave it right time. on the you sheet. You know Sal for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I would, I would take a nap for about 30 minutes. And oh man, you'd, I'd wake up and I'd be fucking ready. You know what I mean? It feels so good. I wish I could do that. We'll start implementing. Kyle, do you ever have a hard time? Like, cause you you've kind of group naps. You've gone all over the place as far as people that you interview. Do you ever do you have a hard time with certain types of people, or do you struggle interviewing some people and then other people you just flow with? Do you notice a, a difference? Yeah, you know, obviously, people that have been on podcasts before have their own podcast are are much easier to chat with because they understand flow of conversation. They've done it before, right? Uh, to an extent, you know, there's, there's better podcasters, you know, it's not all, all, not all podcasters are created equal. Um, I would say the people I struggle with the most are the people that, you know, you never really break through, especially if they're there to promote their thing, yep. you know, like, Hey, I know you're going to promote your business. I'm having you on because, uh, someone recommended you to me, or you've been on these other big podcasts. And then what ends up happening is you get really short answers or they don't want to give you the thing that they're known for. Like I sell this thing online and I want you to pay for that thing. So I'm not going to give you what the meat and potatoes is. I'll just give you little nibbles and hopefully that works. And it's like, 
No, motherfucker. Like uh, that's an old. Yeah, formula. that's an old formula. Anymore. It doesn't even fucking work, right? But people think if they give you too much, you're not going to pay for the thing not they sell. True. No, that's not true. And a perfect example is Jim Quick. Jim Quick gave us so many details on what he does. He's the speed reading guy that teaches you how to how to read faster and comprehend more. But he's also, you know, he's he's highly intelligent. But he gives he gives so damn much. And your takeaway is, yeah, I'm going to fucking pay. Like, there's no doubt I'm going to pay for his online program now because I want all the details. Right He's on. given me enough for me to know that it works. Mm -hmm. And I can certainly, I've have changed the way that I read because of him already and just podcasting with him, cool. you know, just, just from that. So, yeah, I mean, that's- provide value right away like that, people get bought in a lot more. Fuck yeah. And so that that's definitely been the struggle is where it's like, you just want to give me a little bit, and it ends up being a 40-minute podcast, and I'm like, this fucking is yeah. terrible. We had a tough yeah. one with uh, Dave Asprey for two reasons. One, it was over the phone. Yeah. And two- I hate phone interviews. And two, yeah, I, hate I can't stand them. You can't, can't read them. body language. You can't interject when you want. It's not like a real any problem. jokes. It's you slight couldn't, delay. Yeah. You couldn't see Asprey slouching in his chair with his saggy eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he was, also, <laughs> he was also the entire time, bulletproof, bulletproof, bulletproof. That's yeah. why I bulletproof. Yeah. And then he was talking about fitness stuff to us. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I do this one workout What's max intensity for 15 minutes and it stimulates muscle fiber. And I, I'm like, you you obviously don't realize you're talking to three trainers with like a combined total of like 60 years well, he of did experience. The same, he did the same with Joe Rogan and he'll also yeah. do that workout like once a week or once a month yeah, and think like, that he's got- Yeah, it great. And I'm like, yeah, no, it doesn't. It's all you need for the muscle mass to get to, to and it's like, Dude, you you photoshopped fucking somebody else's abs onto your body on Instagram. Like that's not even your I still abs. I can't believe he did that. That's yeah. a that's a <laughs> there's a problem there. <laughs> yeah, that there's a problem happened. with that. Yeah. You know, like you got to walk the walk and look the part, and that's something I appreciate about you guys. It's something I appreciate. You know, interviewing a guy like Dr. Michael Ruscio. I'm mm -hmm. sorry if you're a health and wellness expert, you got to fucking look the part, yeah, right? And yeah. Ruscio's jacked and tanned. He's smart. He's able to flow freely between being rigid and 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 knowing what's good for him and then also doing other yeah. things you know, you know maybe that, he'll eat some gluten and do whatever you know where that comes from mm -hmm. that comes from it comes from wisdom and i think it was paul check that said this and i've repeated it several times now and it's like you have knowledge which is ideas which is fine um and then you have experience but when you combine knowledge with experience you get wisdom and when you talk to someone like ruscio ruscio clearly has wisdom and why does he have this wisdom because he's he takes all this knowledge, so he's a scientist, he's a doctor, but then he applies it to thousands and thousands of patients, well, yeah, and patients. he realized that not there isn't one size fits all, and the answer tends to be, it depends. When someone says, hey, should I take pro probiotics? Someone with lots of knowledge might say, yes, studies show that it's beneficial. Somebody with lots of wisdom would say, it depends. You know, Should I take prebiotics? I read prebiotics are really good. Knowledge would say, yes, prebiotics are a good idea. Wisdom says... Not always. It depends because sometimes prebiotics can cause problems. Just like when people ask us fitness questions, the answer isn't, you know, people are like, what's the best rep range for building muscle? I know what the studies say. I know the studies when they compare head to head show that eight to 12 reps is the hypertrophy range. But my wisdom tells me that if you always train in eight to 12, right. when you go to one to five reps, you're going to build more muscle. Or if you go to 15 to 20, you're going to build more muscle. That's wisdom. And so that's, that's the big difference. And that's why I appreciate people like Ruscio because- when they give you advice or when you talk to them, they're talking from a, a combination of knowledge and experience, and that's where I think you get the real fucking nuggets. You know, that's like the, it's the difference between the scientist and the person who's in the field. It's like you combine the two, and then boom, you get the that's where you get the real answers. Fuck yeah! Yep, we got a lot of real answers here. We did. <laughs> oh, how long, we, how so long did we go? I got a piss like a racehorse. We're at noon. What we get? An hour and forty, hour and a half.
think so. Doug? Hour and 51. Ah, Crushed it, son. That's the, I think you guys are the longest on it podcast to date. So, no way. Oh, oh really? Yeah, brother. Boom. Yeah, yeah buddy. Like that. That's what she said. We got a lot in this podcast. So, not just the longest, but maybe the girthiest podcast. Yeah. 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 Quality. We always fucking, we love Vain. you, bro. You know what I mean? We, we fucking hey, love we, you guys. We loved yeah. you before you were a big shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's we love right. you now, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, you love me before I said, hey, schedule it with my assistant. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'll fly you guys in. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I Right away, the first time we met you, all of us were like, that fucking dude's cool. But for sure, that guy's going to go somewhere. Uh, for sure. Yeah. No, we did. We all said that. And that doesn't happen very often. It's rare that we meet somebody, and when they walk out, all of us collectively go like, I fucking like that guy. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, that guy yeah. a lot. Like yeah. then that, you were one of the few that I think that we felt that way instantly. There's been some people that have grown on us, mm-hmm. but I think right away we knew we were all going to be. Yeah, you got sure. You have a, a really, really good sense of self, which uh, you know. I tell you what, I, you know, some you can find people you disagree with on almost everything. Not that I disagree with you. We don't disagree on much, but you can. But when they have a very strong sense of self and comfort, you just respect the fuck out of them. So right. regardless of what your opinions are. Uh, I respect you because you're you're very confident in who you are and very comfortable in your own skin, and that's uh, it's magnetic to be around. So appreciate you having us on your show, dude. Magnetism. Well, let me fucking give you guys a chance to promote some shit. What All do you right. guys got going on right now with Mind Pump? Just uh, come see us, dude. Come yeah, say what's yeah, up. We're yeah. on Mind Mind Pump, man. You we find may it. be physically out there again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> touring around and yeah. Mind Pump. Yeah, the actually, we're, we're we are actually going to uh, we're going to do a Texas tour at one point, and so we will definitely come. We'll definitely reach out to you when that comes around, and you can shout it out to your people and hundred percent because it'll be free for people to come check out. It's just a it's a, a way a live for, show. Yeah, it's a way for us to give back yeah. to to the listeners We're and trying shit. a new thing and you know been having fun with it and just interacting with people physically and you know it's been it's been a good thing but you, you know want to buy shit from us i mean you go to the website mindpumpmedia.com we have programs we, for, always appreciate we write that. expertly programmed fitness programs and that's how we that's how we monetize people seem to appreciate them they seem to work really well but you know what else is crazy that we learn doing these live events there's people who listen to us that don't even know that we're on social media. I didn't know that. Like, yeah. there's all these fans that are like, "Oh, you're on Instagram." It's an odd disconnect between people that are into podcasts. Uh, there's it's, there's an older community too that that is right. getting into podcasts because they realize it's better than radio, mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily follow suit with the social media community. Yeah. No, right? and so I want to make sure now we make a point to mention our Instagram pages because they do have different content. You actually get a, a more of a, a, a specific flavor of me on my page or of Adam on his page or of Justin on his page. So it's all different content. And the way to find us is real easy. You just type in mind pump and then our name. So I'm mind pump Sal, mind pump Justin, mind pump Adam on Instagram. And then of course the podcast is mind pump. And there's Mind Pump Doug, right? Mind yeah, Pump yeah, Doug. I'm gonna Doug follow. We gotta give a shout out so to our boy. Doug is actually my favorite Instagram to to follow because he never posts. He only posts like maybe once every few weeks, and he does it. Uh, it's funny because he doesn't even intentionally do this. He just kind of does it when he remembers. He'll take a shot from his perspective of us podcasting. So it's all podcasting stuff. So for listeners, you may not like it as much unless you're into the tech side, but I really like it because it's kind of like a scrolling a down timeline. Yeah. It's a little timeline of memory lane. Like you can see it go all the way back to where we started in his living room and the first studio and now this studio and the first big interview and the tr- first big trip. And so he's kind of documented that really well in his. So it's kind of cool. And you can go through it in a few minutes. Like you'll never get through my Instagram. I think it's up to like <laughs> two thousand posts or something yeah, ridiculous. Naked bear rug pics. You yeah, know what I mean, fuck yeah. yeah. Excellent, boys. Thanks, we'll definitely man. run it back before the end of the year. Right Thanks, on. Awesome.
Thank you guys for listening to the Human Optimization Hour with Kyle Kingsbury and my amazing guests, Sal, Justin, and Adam from Mind Pump. Give them a follow. We'll link to their socials on uh, the show notes. And check out their podcast if you haven't heard it because it's fire. These guys are dope. Thanks for tuning in.